Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. The juice is loose, everybody. Hell yeah. I feel great, ready to go. Actually, I'm still <laughs> a little mad about um, that Great Counting Crow segment we did a few weeks ago after the recording yeah. was over. All about <laughs> how we don't understand the meaning of any of their songs. Yeah, I said we, we should bring it back as a segment if at any point one of us thinks we finally understand what one of them Counting Crows songs mean. That's right. If we're very confident. And then the other one can poke holes in it. But, like, I'm not confident about any of them yet. It ain't going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I've been living with some of these songs in my head where I know every word since 1993. Yeah. <laughs> That's 30 years ago. That is. I just don't Jesus. think it's coming. Yeah, and we should um, allow Minette Oil songs as well. It should be either Minette Oil or Counting Crows. If you feel confident, you have challenge. You hit the challenge button, and the whole show stops, and then we can talk about what the song's about. I mean, I, I feel like I understand the central message of Beds Are Burning. Well, I'll give it back. It belongs to them. <laughs> I mean, that one actually is pretty We're going to give that it one, back. That one is an easy win, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have a... well. To be honest, some of the verses I don't understand what he's saying. Oh, well, okay, yes. But once you look them up, and then you're like, oh, no, you you know what? You're not wrong. Hold on. (laughs) Because I was just thinking in my head, I was like, what does he even fucking say? Because there's the part where he goes like, The cockatoos from Kintor East to you and the moon. Yeah, see, I didn't know what he was even saying. "Uh, No, I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) I have to look it up and see if incidents happened there, or if they're really just places like the Western the Desert lives and breathes in forty-five degrees. Forty-five degrees. This is uh, this has got to be a statement about how the Aboriginal Australians were pushed out into the worst parts of Australia, right? I guess so. I guess probably, but like, I again, I would really want to make sure that those places were not also known for terrible racist incidents. Or the real, incidents. oh yeah, of course, yeah, 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 for sure. I don't know what happened in Kintor or yeah, you. If you Mo. brought them up, there's a possibility there's something very specific that happened there. Oh, hold on, let's just. Uh... <laughs> we don't need to play the game now. I mean, no, but I, but since I got the lyrics here on Genius.com, it does say okay. both Kintor and Yuandamu are in Central Australia and have populations that predominantly identify as Aboriginal. Okay. So yeah, maybe yeah. that's just where they got to live now because, uh, you know colonial imperialism yeah imperial colonialism i think the real problem with the song beds are burning with understanding what's going on in the song beds are burning is the line how can we dance when our earth is turning Mm -hmm. i think that's the real problem is that that might not mean anything (laughs) so So there's still a way to lose this one if you try to dig in and figure out what it means you're gonna get into trouble he's just saying how can you it pretend and enjoy 
while there's so many terrible things happening all around the world. Huh? How can you just like live your life and um Yeah. And dance, dance, dance. Yes. And also, <laughs> how can you sleep? When well, our beds are burning. Our beds are burning. And that one fire's hot. I it, by the way, I think it's entirely possible well. I guess the question is who's the point of view of that song from? Is it the whites? Mm. Or is it the displaced Aboriginal peoples? Uh, the way he says it belongs to them, let's give it back, makes me feel yeah. that it must yeah. be for the That whites. part has to be for sure. But then yeah. who? if it wasn't, then our beds are burning maybe has more of a literal meaning. Is that, um, is that, is, is that an idiom in Australia? Is, is there an idiom about burning beds? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. See, there no are plenty of ways we can still misunderstand this song. Maybe that's an idiom and everyone in Australia knows what that means. Anyway, it's uh, I'm sorry that I tormented you. This is, I guess, my role on this podcast is to propose things that then torment you for years and years, <laughs> such as this Star Trek project we're going to do today. That's the ultimate example, because it'll never. Happen. Yeah. And uh, now, apparently, every time you're going to be thinking to yourself, the smell of hospitals in winter. And the mm-hmm. feeling that it's all a bunch of oysters, but no pearls. And you're like, I mean, at least oh, I understand the general imagery. Of, I don't know about the smell of hospitals, but I, like, I, I know what a hospital smells like. But yeah, but what it doesn't smell different in winter. I don't think. <laughs> is this, is this a, again? Is this a specific reference to something in his life, or is this supposed to be for me at home? I oh, don't. Know. Also, no one has ever said it's all a bunch of oysters and no pearls before, because no. oysters are also associated with the rich. <laughs> kind of true <laughs> but i mean that this like, is I the know. whole problem with a long december is it's impossible to feel sorry for him yeah i guess that's probably it though right i think that's just part of the whole theme is that yeah he is just enjoying some fucking hell of tasty oysters man but he doesn't have pearls and don't you feel bad about it i mean a lot of oysters and i banged two of the women off friends that we know of <laughs> but don't where you are feel my bad pearls where are my pearls you get it my life's sad Maybe this year will be better than the last. Maybe I'm going to finally <laughs> nail Phoebe. Nail that third one. Maybe I'll, get, I'll finally get Joey Tribbiani into the sack. Yeah. What's his real? What's the real guy's name? That's a, Is that Matt LeBlanc? That's crazy that I remembered the character's name and not the actor. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, think I, I don't, ever I didn't even heard watch the character's Friends. last name. <laughs> so. That's pure. That's just my wife right there. She watched enough Friends that so that seeped in. Yeah, uh, when they f- first came back to Netflix or whatever, I don't know. I don't know how many years ago that was even. I think Katie watched all of them, and I would be like, she always has to program that she's watching and that I'm just either in and out because uh, I watch a lot less TV than she does. Yeah. Right now it's Suits. Uh, people are big into Suits. The show Suits. I, I've, everyone describes it as like perfect turn off your brain watching, so I don't, I, I have never seen it. I mean, it's an absolute soap opera. Okay. But, um, but, I mean, she's pretty big into it. Okay. But uh, every time I would come in and watch Friends, I would go, huh, was that it? Was this what everyone was so excited about when I was in high school? <laughs> in the 90s was fucking stupid, man. Huh. People loved Friends. Couldn't get enough. And Lou Bega, maybe. <laughs> Is that the right era? 
I mean, I don't fucking remember. <clears throat> I, I I feel like people um, expressed frequently and with gusto that they'd had enough of Lou Bega and no one was interested in Mambo Number no. Six, for instance. <laughs> I mean, if you say so. I just a little bit of Monica in my life. Yeah, maybe that's why I think mm, it was at the same time. If if you're gonna sing to me about Monica, then let's hear Freakily instead. Because <laughs> Monique, Monique. <laughs> Christina, Yolanda, Yolanda. <laughs> oh God, that's such a fucking good song. God, I just feel like if I ever song. met Petey Pablo, he'd be a real nice guy. And I, I think a lot of that is because I think he only knows two sex positions. <laughs> right? I'm, yeah, he can't have too much going on, um, vice wise. Yeah, if that's all the Doesn't sex positions like he knows. I mean. He's going to eat two steaks and represent two states. <laughs> both Carolinas. Fine, fine flight attendant who's down to do it both, both ways. ways. Yep. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which from Freakily are probably missionary and uh, from from the back with your face in the pillow so you can yell as loud as you want to. That's right. <laughs> we already know he's not going to do certain other things. Because I don't like a word that no, He ain't drunk enough to do that. <laughs> I ain't drunk enough to do that. Uh well all right well, I don't know why we're vaping. do you think little do you think little John's still cashing them pussy licked checks <laughs> I hope. do you think it's in the memo of a check <laughs> Just when he gets a twelve quote, cent check pussy licked pussy <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'll never it'll never get out of my head man just again always the idea of him in the booth yep just sh- screaming pussy licked right into the microphone and then going is that it that was all you guys needed okay. All right. Now it's been nice working with you. I hope this is a big hit for you, Petey. Pussy licked. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess we should do a mailbag or we'll be here all night. Yeah, we got to get the mailbag started so we can get the mailbag finished so that we can talk about yeah. three Star Trek episodes. Uh, good Bye. ones. Here. Just Bye. really good episodes. Bye, bro. Oh yeah, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah, if if uh if you're in the habit of just turning this off as soon as the mailbag's over for some reason, uh, no, st- stick with us because it's quality drama this week. Yeah. <sighs> on the seventeenth, Ryan wrote. Well, I mean, I guess I did have a class ring. Yeah, that was because I had asked. You didn't know the answer, but I had asked if he was like a uh, big school spirit guy in high school right. because he seems like a joiner in general. That is the answer to the question: Who bought the Who bought a class ring? There you go. <laughs> that I have always wondered. I mean, he says he has. He had it. It doesn't technically say he bought it. Oh, could you steal them? Maybe he stole a class ring, and maybe it's just not personal. Are those personal? Did he run a little Jostin's caper? Uh, yep. His name's Jostin. Jo- was it not Jostin who did class rings? Oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's another thing to Bing while we're... Ask Bing. But ask it nicely. It's very sensitive. Uh, man. Yeah, custom high school class jewelry. Yeah, okay. I did not even remember that. Uh, and I don't know anyone who ever had a a high school class ring. No, but your wife has one from college, right? Yeah, at MIT, they think that's a real big deal to wear yeah. their brass rat, they call it. 
to be cool. It's a beaver. Yeah. Because yeah. the beavers are nature's engineers. You got to show it to everyone to prove that you went to MIT, I guess. You have to like a challenge point? It. Yeah, you just constantly have that thing on you and be like, see, I'm not lying. It's, uh, it's fucking for real. Uh, hold on. I'm sure I can buy one online. <laughs> I'm sure you can buy someone specifically. Someone's hawking that thing. Do they, do they have it in size 14 is my question. There's gotta be some big dudes who went to MIT. You'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, I am pretty tired of MIT, though, man. It's the shorthand. Well, it's longhand. It's the longhand they use in every single TV show and movie. Why are these sized, like, t-shirts? And why is the biggest size large? (laughs) Maybe you're really not supposed to be wearing it. Maybe you do just carry it around. Uh, right, it's the longhand on. they use in TV and movies when they're like, he was first in his class at MIT. I graduated like, in 2004 right. from college. What? Ugh, not a good year for that. I do not like this design. Oh, uh, of the brass rat from that particular year? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm not going to wear a 2023 one, you know? No, I mean, that would be weird. It's already weird that I'm contemplating buying one of these to prank your wife. <laughs> just to just wear stole, around. just stolen valor, your wife. <laughs> just for her though, you're not gonna try to convince anyone else you went to MIT. Nah, but what if you find the, out ev- someone that you know did go to MIT? Maybe someone you no, no. And, and look, man, anyone I'm talking to in person can see my teeth. So <laughs> damn low. We do have, we do have the teeth of the poor. That's right. Or is what some people call the Baron Bite. That's what we've got. <laughs> Not Baron like O-N-E-N. I know. Yeah, I got it. Don't get confused. It's not the good kind. Well, I will continue my search for that great prank item Okay. Uh, another time, <laughs> I guess. Um, oh, you didn't know? Also on the 17th. I also attended the Massachusetts <laughs> Institute of Technology. I know oh, about it. Anybody... The Infinite Corridor. And Anybody I'm well versed in the green building. would think we both went to MIT. Yes, yes, I was at Tang Hall. I hope those things are real. On the Charles River. Okay, that one. That one is probably real. There you go. Uh, on the 17th, he wrote, On this last playthrough, I think I had to reload my save ten plus times before I could kill Mirok. That's weird. I never had a problem. Well, okay, I shouldn't say never. I only even got to the point where I fought him one time. Yeah. I, most of the stuff I leave on that island, I just leave that. I'm like, I don't care about that. I'll go there yeah. someday. There was some kind of messed up trigger where if you did too much damage in what was supposed to be the first stage of the fight, he never did the next thing. He never got on his own dragon or whatever the fuck he was going to do. That doesn't sound like Bethesda. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but it was weird because it was one of those things that the unofficial guys couldn't seem to patch, and I don't know why. Hmm. Well, uh, the one time I faced him, he went down like a chump, but I don't... Yeah. Oh, especially if you uh, had already played and had a pretty strong character before that DLC even came out. Yeah. They, yeah, like, they um, just go over to that island and fucking rough everyone up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of the time I leave that, <clears throat> and then I'm like, I'm always like, when I'm done with stuff here in Skyrim, then I will venture out 
and and do all the Miroc stuff, and it's like you can never run out of things to do in Skyrim. That'll no. never happen. The the main thing, the main reason you stop playing Skyrim is because you think to yourself, uh, "What if I made a Red Guard character?" <laughs> Yep. Who did single-handed swords and no archery this time. <laughs> I and swear. Then, I swear this time, this is the time. This is the one time I'm never going to do archery. And then you roll one up and you get to the first place where they're banished and you just like fucking drop into a crouch. <laughs> I do. I am constantly respecting. I'm just in my head. I'm like, ooh, but no, but now what if? Hold on a second. Wait a minute. What if I was a wood elf? They're even better at archery. Do you think Starfield, which comes out in one week, is going to have the same thing for you? No, I don't know. Because um, it wasn't it wasn't like that in um, Fallout, right? It was like, you just kind of played however you want. I mean, you do spec at the beginning. Maybe it's yeah. the same. I don't know. I didn't have that problem when I was playing Fallout. I did when I was playing in the fantasy world of Tamriel. <laughs> I, uh, by the way, I saw... I saw a post today that said Elder Scrolls Six is in early development now, so I guess they've released enough of the Starfield team to, uh, well, to start on it. Whatever. Uh, so uh, they'll only they'll only get to sell two or three more Skyrim editions before that. Comes out. <laughs> I was going to say early development that we could be any number of years away. Yeah, for sure. Name your year. Um. Uh, there's no way. There's no way that Elder Scrolls Six comes out before we're done with this Star Trek project, right? <laughs> god that would be sort of the ultimate that would that would be the ultimate example of the futility of this fucking project we have i think 43 episodes after this one yeah two years this week. we got two fucking no, years just two years don't take a break two years for sure yeah <sighs> on the 17th ryan wrote, 2025 <laughs> unbelievable but like mid to late 2025 yeah, no, like a nine like nine years after we started doing it that's cool that's cool i might that's yeah that's great this is great there's a very real possibility that this thing will start when i'm 35 and end when i'm 45 this project is <laughs> it's, it's an actual possibility within that that the realm of possibility yep just depending how many weeks we miss it could happen. i get sick a lot man my, uh, my kid's sick right now mom's sick it could happen i could get sick tomorrow it happens all yeah. the time if you get sick tomorrow, you'll be pretty cool, though, because you'll have two weeks before yeah, the next podcast. That's but, the best possible yeah. timing. But I'm just saying, like, it, he's just, like, he's at school now, man. He brings home everything, I assume. So, days will be missed. I can't wait for you to send a, a, a G chat in, in the morning that says, well, I've got dropsy. <laughs> no, I, mean, like, I don't think you do. The things that they are sending us messages about are freaky. They're like, yeah, someone's got croup. You're like, hold on a second. I think I've heard of that. Let me look it up. Wait, what? Should uh, I yeah, should I Google it or should I, here? should I look it up in uh, uh, Tale of Two Cities? Like, what am I? <laughs> That's right. How far back do I need to go on this? Do I need to find some uh, Middle English sources for this? Uh, yeah, I have what? Uh, all right, let me get my copy of the Poetic Edda. <laughs> I think I remember that from the Canterbury Tales. Can that be right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, on the 17th, Ryan wrote, I think of hand pies. All of the flavors were pretty good. Yeah. But maybe it was something else, because his next thing was about hand pies. I also thought it was about hand pies. Maybe he was just talking about hand pies a lot. Maybe. His next thing was, those hand pies are still hella good, and I'm proud to eat them with you. 
not literally with you, although there's no shame in eating and pot hand pies in the same room together. I don't know. Now I'm imagining it and it seems shameful. Just kind of nibbling would... away at that thing. We just got to set up a thing, man. I'll bring over a selection of hand pies and I've got a set of uh, Pigma Micron pens for your wife. So, Oh, that's cool. And then we can just nibble on some hand pies and kind of look at each other. I don't like it. Yeah, big, be a big, whole big thing. I don't like it at all. Feels bad. Feels gross. But but we should be coming home in December. So we'll probably miss a week of potting. <laughs> <laughs> it's best not to think of it that way, but sure. So, so anyway, we could do it then. We could do a whole uh, Christmas pies. Or are you guys going to be uh, gone? We're going to be in Japan in February and March. In February, early March, we'll probably miss a pod. Oh, you know? yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, you're not going to pod from fucking Osaka or whatever. No. <clears throat> okay. No. Um, on 17th, he writes... 2026, yeah. 2026. <laughs> he writes... So now that Threads users are down something like 79%, what platform would you really, truly prefer us to be using? No, and by us, I mean me, yet. and hopefully Body someday again with his audios. Yeah. Well, he was emails, so he could still do that. That's true. But, like, I don't know. Are there any out there? I keep waiting. Are there any good ones? You gotta get on Mastodon unless... <laughs> <coughs> Who did he ban this week? Oh, no. <laughs> unless you're on anthro.cc... Or petanco.art. <laughs> uh, I love the, or, little dic- the little Star Trek dictator. Uh, look, uh, I get it, but also I'm on uh, a fountain pens instance. He's going to ban that shit. <clears throat> and on my fountain pens instance, there's a bot. And if so, if you post something and you put hashtag fountain pens in it, it automatically reposts that. Okay. Like... To try and draw attention to itself or collect fountain pen content from off of the instance or whatever. And some absolute chuds figured that out last week. Oh, no. And just started uh, posting uh, hateful transphobic things or uh, just a long string of the N-word over and over again. And then fountain Hashtag pens. fountain pens. Why fountain pens? Why even go after fountain Who would even want to go <clears> after Because they knew that pens. the bot would then retweet it at everyone on the server and their whole thing was to be a troll. Yeah, but like... To troll the pen people? Yeah, that's it. That's so weird. I would never even think. I guess I don't have the mind of a bully anymore. Th- that Listen, that, bo- that bot has 600 followers, and that was exciting for these people. <laughs> to get to get the N-word in front of 600 people. They've never heard it. This no. is going to be a big deal for them. This is going to yeah, exactly. be a big one. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, that instance has had to ban a couple of uh, quote free speech mastodons. Okay, for that reason. Well, I mean, it sounds great. It sounds like an ideal place to now, do social medias. Would that kind of thing have been allowed on the BBC instance? Probably not. <laughs> but they're also transphobic, so that's right. What are you gonna do? Um. Uh, look. Uh. If you can get a message to us, we'll read it to you. And there are a number of ways to do that. And they're pretty much all listed on brotherdate.com. So. Yeah, you guys know them. They're all the main ones. Yeah. Even on the gram. Do your thing. Uh, on the 18th, look, it's all Ryan this week, except yeah. for you. On the 18th, Ryan wrote, Okay, I've got an idea for the worst possible spinoff series. Starfleet officers going through puberty again. 
with all of the hormones and emotions, but still knowing everything that they knew as adults. I mean, that was the episode we watched. It just wasn't a whole series, thank God. Yeah, and it really wasn't about going through puberty. No, I guess it wasn't about... I mean, <laughs> it wasn't about that. Um, but yeah, that was it. Um, they told us specifically they still had the minds of adults, and then they all they all did seem very childlike, though. As if well, being one in the little bodies was enough to make them children again. One of them had some, you know, unexplored trauma, undealt with trauma, and was trying to get everyone to act like children. Yeah. She even she even looked at little Picard right in the eyes and said, Home alone. <laughs> Home alone, Jean-Luc. And then he was like, oh, I fucking get it. I fucking get it. He had a tiny little British voice. Uh, he also tweeted a meme. It is Jordy running into the holodeck and seeing real Leo, Leo Brahms looking at fake Leo Brahms. And it says, remember kids, clear your browser history. And he is putting his hands up. He's putting his hands up. Like, he's hoping his hands are going to stop time so he can think yes. of an explanation. The hands are up like, if I push like space if i just push air toward her i'll have like a little buffer time and i can come up with something decent to say this is by the way the only time that a starfleet officer hasn't immediately shouted computer and program (laughs) in a bad situation that's right and it's the one time that it would have done something but he knew for sure he was in the holodeck and he didn't shout Uh uh-huh uh-huh it would have been a good time Also, he should not have taken off running. He should have been giving commands immediately to delete that program. (laughs) Oh, yeah. As soon as he knew she was in there, he should have deleted it from engineering for sure. Should never have run all the way down there. Um, But he does, you know, he's pretty quick on his feet because he comes up with that highly manipulative bullshit about how I'm guilty. Okay. About trying to reach out to you. That's not what you're mad about. Oh, um. Okay, I'm guilty of not having a hustler in front of me. <laughs> I had to do this. Sarek took all of them when he was here. I mean, based on his other behavior in that episode, he's got he's got pretty bad sense of boundaries. This may not be the first time he's been caught with some shit. It could be, but then he's got to be fucking... He's got to tighten this shit up then. Like, the... There might be there might be a holodeck program that has a reproduction of Christie or whatever. Oh, in Christy it. Henshaw. <sighs> yeah, Christy Henshaw. Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, now it's got Quark's head on it, but <laughs> well, it used to be the real deal. It did used to be the real, <laughs> the real deal. Um, I'm saying to tighten it up. I'm saying that for him, right? Yeah. Obviously, but I'm saying it for me too, because I don't want to walk in on one of those, Jordy. Okay. Yeah, it'll be embarrassing for you, but I have to remember it forever. So, yeah, for you, tighten it up, but for me, tighten it up, buddy. I don't want to walk in on one of these weird sex programs. Thank you. These things are never locked. They just run. They just People just leave, and the holodeck just runs. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, Riker didn't lock it when he went to holodeck 4 during the perfect mate either, but um, <laughs> that's part of the excitement for him. That's true. Who's going to walk in on this one? Oh, a bullion. Wow. 
on the 23rd, you retweeted uh, CNN breaking news. Wagner chief Evgeny Prigozhin is listed among the passengers on board a plane that crashed in Russia. State media says follow live updates. What did the dude wait a month? Yeah. He waited a month to ice him? You thought people weren't going to remember? Like, it was really exactly a month, right? Like July 23rd to like August he said, 23rd. let him live exactly one month? Uh-huh. And then people won't be suspicious when his plane suddenly crashes? Uh, did I you mean, ever see like, the footage of it falling out of the sky? I did indeed. I did. Yeah. Uh, Putin, man. Like, I know you're just totally off your rocker and probably dying of some things. But, like... Can you tighten it up a little bit? Your whole ass is showing. He's just showing his me. whole ass to the whole... Yeah, I can. Obviously for you, obviously. Obviously. I'm not, like, heartless. But for me, I want I want to think that you know a little bit about what you're doing. And that... I, a month? Yeah. The hot dog man made it a month. <laughs> and then died in a very public way. He didn't just disappear and everyone's like, oh, no one ever knew what happened to him. Who knows? Like, no, his fucking plane crashed and then, like, the passenger no, took list. 10 right people out. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know, man. This guy had no idea what he's doing. And all the times people were like, oh, what a shrewd genius Putin is. Like, everything that's happened in the last couple of years uh, definitely contradicts that point of view. <clears throat> I saw a. Uh... A uh, tweet or something that sh- said that uh, uh, Chinese had re- had released a new map that shows uh, part of Russian territory as part of China now, and underneath it, it just said it begins. <laughs> like the idea that other other nations are circling the uh, <laughs> like sharks circling Russia in the water. Yep, I mean um, they couldn't beat the Ukraine in a conventional conflict, which seems bonkers it's a it's wild news if you have missed it if you've missed everything from february 2022 up to now <laughs> the here, here's the takeaway russia's not winning that war no they, and not only they not it's win, wild they don't they not beat them they didn't come close to beating them and it kind of seems like maybe the ukraine's afraid to cross the border into russia like they could do yeah it, although they're striking they're like, more and more aircraft inside of russia it appears yeah right so so that's not great and um, and then every single other thing that has happened, not just the hot dog man, definitely makes it seem like they got no idea what the fuck they're doing over there. Which is what happens. That's what happens when you got one strong man. It's uh, none of the systems around to make any sense. So you also retweeted Zito at underscore Zeets, who tweeted, uh, "R.I.P. to Evgeny Prigozhin, but I would have survived that." <laughs> my favorite internet things which uh, at first was a bunch of people who were totally serious when they'd come out and be like it'd be like a sports thing to happen and been like well i wouldn't have thrown that interception or whatever and then they'd get roasted <laughs> on twitter or whatever and now it's only people who are mocking that original idea but in progressively crazier ways yeah like there was one of those for the um the sub the submersible that was going down to visit the titanic <laughs> you're just like i would have survived that i would have uh just held my breath or whatever uh or like if someone what some fucking dumbass gets uh tossed by a bison or something on one of those dumb videos where people get way too close to a bison I'm like yeah i would have yep. dodged that though but yeah 
It is R.I.P. Uh, hot dog man. <laughs> he got a lot of play <laughs> on this sure. show in particular. <laughs> if you've been, uh, if you binge these, you're gonna get his whole arc. It's exciting. I mean, it was it was two episodes ago that we described the overnight coup that lasted one day. That lasted one day, and then he gave up for yeah. seemingly no reason. Yep. And then we expressed shock that he was allowed to just walk out of there. Yep. But. Well, if you are binging these from a future date, then the, these two pieces of information are only six hours apart. I guess it's still <laughs> kind of a lot, honestly. Yeah, there's still a lot of Star Trek in between. Sorry about that. Sorry you had to hear about um whatever last week's Schmollis centric Voyager was. They're usually Schmollis centric. I mean, this last week's Voyager wasn't. It was Memorial, but you know. What oh, okay. I mean. <laughs> the Virtuoso, though. I mean, you've had to listen to that since we talked about it. That's right. See, sorry about that. I know you just come here for the current events from the past. Um, speaking of it. We're done with the mailbag, so it is oh, good. time to to sit down and talk Star Trek. Okay, if we have to. It's week 133 of the project. And because TNG finished last in week 132, we're going to talk about them first. This week we watched A Fistful of Datas. <laughs> But I wonder if they've ever finished last two weeks in a row. Ooh. I'm just going to go back and just... just uh, you looking. could look at the three-episode window. Oh. That'll show you their lowest points. All right. Well, it hasn't been that long. They finished last place with the perfect mate and then with imaginary friend. So, Well, shit. There you go. <sighs> the Enterprise is in orbit of Dianonicus 7. Which could be the most interesting thing about this episode if we knew anything about it, since it's named after a dinosaur. <laughs> Did they find... Hey, is this another one of them dinosaur planets? Good question. We'll never know. Ah, oh, stupid. They are there to rendezvous with the starship Biko, which is running late. And since they have an extra day, it's hobby night in the saucer section. Yeah, man, it's been, like, declared. Everyone has to go do hobbies. If you try to do work, Picard's gonna be cross. Yep, it's a fucking free day, and I guess that probably doesn't apply to people who keep the ship, like, running. People who are doing r routine maintenance and stuff, they probably still gotta work. But yeah. for all the senior staff... Yeah, all the yellow shirts that are always, like, moving the moving things around on that hover cart, like, keep working. No your one's job's like, never done. Hey, Randy, go work on your pottery. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get a day off. No. Sorry, Randy. Uh, especially because people are going to be using the uh, holodeck overtime today. So, like, <laughs> you're going to be pretty busy in a little while. It's going to be a lot of squeegeeing when this is all over. And so many fucking errors. Oh, so many. You're going to have so many fucking uh, uh, It's going to be a lot of tickets, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Picard is using the time to play a Mozart trio on his video game flute. <laughs> uh, when Data and Jordy stop by. To ask for permission to take the engineering computer offline so they can hook up Data's untrustworthy brain as a backup if they ever need to. Uh, they are not laughed out of the room 
I, Picard no. must be so busy with his fucking flute that he didn't hear what they said because if he heard it, he would have gone, obviously, no. What? He no. is he is deep in concentration trying to get this fucking tin whistle from a weird alien race to play Mozart. <laughs> it just can't do it. It's he's just trying. Just he can't do it. It doesn't have enough notes. Yeah. It's not a great flute. It's like, um, remember that keyboard you got me because it was in the K-pop video? Because it was in the oh, Kim yeah. video? Yeah, even like, though it's not the sound of the keyboard in the song. Right, exactly. It's just the prop in the video. But like that thing, you can't even play more than one key at a time. No, it doesn't have polyphony. Yeah, that's like, um, that that's his flute. It's that kind of instrument. Yeah. I mean, hey man, that keyboard's vintage. No, I know. It's got a little tape in it and everything. Yeah, it does. It's got a little TOS style tape. Um... He shoes them out and get back, gets back to playing, but immediately gets interrupted by Dr. Crusher, who is trying to get him to play a small role in a play she has written entitled Something for Breakfast. <clears throat> She's offering him the role of the butler, which has only two lines. which And he's insulted about it, even though he tells her he's not an actor. Yeah. Look, man, he doesn't want to go to the party, but he does want to be invited. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and then there's one more immediate interruption. Worf wants to use the time to run shipwide security drills instead of take time off, and we're about to find out why. Yeah, but you could probably fucking guess if you've seen this show. <laughs> but Picard thinks that should wait um, because they're getting new uh, personnel transferred in in a few weeks. Um, he also thinks Worf should take the day off and uh, play his flute, probably. He doesn't know what Worf does for fun. Yeah, Klingon flute. Try spiky. You've probably got a flute in your quarters that you want to go play. So Hurts do that. to play it. Hurts to play it. It's more manly. Well, Alexander's in this one. He's playing like Donkey Kong Jr. on some huge iPad when Worf gets back to his quarters. <laughs> it's the uh, size of entire backpack. It, <laughs> it's huge. and But it's got one of those things that you normally see in like a sitcom where... Someone is holding a PlayStation 1 controller, but the, you're hearing the sounds from Moon Patrol <laughs> or something. You know how there's no, there's like yeah. no verisimilitude when they show a kid playing a video Ain't game. Ain't nobody working on a TV show knows what a video game is. Well, they, even though we've seen what video games look like in Star Trek and it's a Frisbee and some hoops that try to swallow the Frisbee. And give you so many fucking airgasms. Yeah. Uh, they do put some of those video game sound effects under Alexander's game. Yeah. Uh, Worf slumps in his chair and reveals that he is, in fact, free to go play sheriff in the holodeck with his son. He's so disappointed. He hates Alexander. He hates him. He hates him! He begged Picard to make him work so he didn't have to spend time with Alexander. Anyway, it's fine. Talk about it for an hour. By the way, this is nothing new about Worf as a parent. Nope, that's what I meant. If you knew why he was trying to work so hard, like if you knew him, you'd know why he was trying to work so hard. Because if he has to take a break, he's got to spend time with his son, his least favorite thing in the galaxy. After the credits, we see that the episode is called A Fistful of Datas. They mm. show that on the screen. I know. But somehow there's more episode. That's not the end of the series. <laughs> As we've said many times, they continued to make episodes after this episode for some yeah. reason. Um. Worf and Alexander show up in Deadwood, and Worf is excited to learn that he's playing a cop, of course. Yeah, what a fucking surprise. 
Um, uh, Jordy and Data have a little chat about Jordy's stubble while he plugs some fiber optic cables into his friend's brain and talks about how it makes him a little bit uncomfortable to be poking around inside his friend's brain, but they still do it. Yeah, he keeps like, he plug it in and goes, ew. <laughs> and he plugs another one and he goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> you seriously don't feel that? Um, back in the holodeck, Worf wants to know why his, hold on. Son whose third birthday was 66 star dates ago put <laughs> prostitutes in this holodeck scenario. But it turns out Dum Dum Barkley helped with it. But don't think about that too much because there's a gunshot. Yeah. It turns out to be bad guy Eli Hollander shooting at his own wanted poster. And Worf walks in and lays him out with a standard Starfleet palm heel strike. Hell yes. But that's not satisfying to Alexander who increases the program difficulty to level four. Mm. they make us watch like a lot of the scene again yeah strangely a lot of it (laughs) yeah like way too much like they were like if we shorten it or do it different this time people are gonna be like "Ah, i was different that time yeah why was no one interested in the clues that time well it's gonna yep so instead we get to have all the shit about senor eli again yep um, and then Worf tries to make his arrest again and gets drawn down on, but hold on, it's Counselor Troy with a rifle in her hand and an accent in her mouth. Mm. Well, in engineering, Data's all hooked up now, and he starts interfacing with ship's systems, and he gets hit with some kind of power surge and deactivates the interface, but when he gets up out of his seat, he holsters his tricorder in a very corny way, so <laughs> something else is going on. He's so corny. It's very I heard corny. someone in engineering say it too in the background. Just shouted, "He's so corny." <laughs> well, they texted it to each other on the ship's text, and <laughs> when they eventually get subpoenaed for insider trading, <laughs> uh, the text will be read out in court, That's and right. they'll be like, I, "Then, then it looked like Data had two dice in his pocket, but he was too ashamed to show anybody." Yeah, they'll try to shove him under Simon Tarsi's chair or whatever. Exactly. Um. <laughs> Uh, back in Deadwood, Eli Hollander threatens Worf and Alexander with his paw, who's coming to break him out of jail, and Troy thinks the Rojankos are going to be outgunned, but offers to help for $500, which must be an insane amount of money. Yeah, back in the Deadwood? But in the ancient West? Well, they don't know that. 500 seems like a big, pretty big number to Worf, though, because he does tell Alexander we require a large amount of currency. Yeah. Hey, do you suppose Worf ever makes the connection that paw means father? In this episode. No, I, I doubt it. I, I think I even after he learns it. that this other guy is his father, I don't think he goes back and goes, oh, that's what Pa must mean. Because <laughs> he is super confused by that. Do you, uh, when he, when Sergei Rojenko was aboard, did he refer to him as father? Yeah, yes, I believe he did. Okay. Is that why I did it? Wasn't, it? it wasn't like Peepaw or, uh... <laughs> I didn't call him Peepaw. <laughs> He didn't call him Papa Pee-Pee, which is what Cyrus calls me. Nice. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, first time we did it, I did feel shame. I went, ah, oh, he fucking got me. Are you asking me, Matthew, if I think you referred to our dad as father or called him father a lot because you saw <laughs> fam- the episode Family at a pretty young age? You yeah, were the probably... great dynamic between Worf and his Russian dad. We Bella were watching Russian. live by then, so you were probably seven. 
Six or seven. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And that's why you started calling him father. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, Alexander goes to get money out of the bank. None of this is real. Why am I describing it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the barkeep, Miss Annie, comes in and starts hitting on Worf. And she slaps him in the face. It's nice to have a little comic relief after the harrowing episode that was Rascals last week, you know? <laughs> man, we are in filler season. Fill it up, man. Just nothing but filler. Picard is listening to the uh, to game tape of his Mozart trio performance mm-hmm. when the computer glitches and it starts playing the Slavonic dances. It didn't it glitch to something good. that would have cost him any money. but No, but it sounded hella good, though. When that came on, I was like, this is better. Well, I mean, who doesn't like Dvorak? Keep listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> it should have showed him look really startled at first and then gone, oh, okay. All right. Just sat back in his chair. Guess I should give uh, Bohemian romantic music a a, ch- a shot here. <laughs> I, I judged you too harshly. I'm back in. Maybe a little Smetna after this. In Beverly's rehearsal, Riker, who seems to be playing the lead, starts reading Data's Ode to Spot like he doesn't know that's not part of the play. And also he reads that wrong. And also, what is he doing with his hand like he's declaiming Shakespeare? Uh, look, when I got when I watched that scene, I definitely got the feeling he was trying to bring the whole play down. <laughs> I think he was trying to cancel the play by being so bad she can't move forward. He's like, he read Beverly's play, and it's not good. Uh-huh. And he, he thinks they're friends because um, he remembers what it's like to have sex with her from that time he was oh, old. Oh, yeah. And- you can remember that shit. Uh, So even though they've never actually seemed to be friends, he feels that way about him. Hmm. And he's like, I can't tell her to her face that she's not a playwright and that this is garbage and that why is there a character? She's written a play in the year uh, 23, hold on, 70, 69, I don't remember. Hold on, I made myself a little fucking cheat sheet because I can never remember. It's difficult when we go into the DS9s and the Voyagers and it's like, well, how many fucking years has it been? Yeah, 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 yeah. 2369. Okay. Uh, he made himself a little cheat sheet. And he's like, why is there a butler character anyway? <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Maybe he's taking the play. He's that's taking the, the whole play. Do you see do. that hand moving? He's taking it. He's taking it. He said that anyway, he would the- do the play if the play was Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Yep. <laughs> Who do you think he wants to play? Sound so? <laughs> uh, I'm. That's the glory. I mean, the glory role is probably Liu Bei, I guess. Actually, well, you think it's Liu Bei or is it Guan Yu? Uh, Who does Riker think? Uh, Guan Yu's out of the would be out of it for huge sections. Guan Yu disappears I for like yeah, forty he, chapters. He fucks off. He fucks off to Jing Province or whatever. Yeah, he's just out of it. Eh, I guess it'd probably be Liu Bei. Yeah. Well, Data fucking beat him to it because the play has been erased from the library entirely. It's like the doctor's program, man. It's gone. Yep. And uh, and this is Beverly we're talking about. So even if Picard wasn't inclined to investigate his glitch because he liked the music better, it's fucking on now that something happened to her. That was the key moment. As soon as they showed her, when they, when, I, I forgot all these scenes because I only remember the stupid fucking Data part. And, uh, when they went into that play scene, I went, oh, this is why everyone cares. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even remember what happened. I was like, oh, she's in here? Okay, yeah. This is why it don't matter. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Look, um, <laughs> this is not a spoiler alert. They never figure out that anything's wrong in the holodeck. Nope. 
out no. on the rest of the ship? No idea. This no. is not the big goodbye. In the end, those three idiots walk out of that holodeck and they're like, you guys didn't even come looking for us. And like, well, we had our own problems. My play was erased. Okay. Jordy starts running a level two diagnostic on the computer. Data goes to run a self-diagnostic. And now we see our first holodeck glitch too. When Alexander gets kidnapped by Hollander's two associates. And we see that his paw is Data. And Alexander can't freeze the program. Yeah. He doesn't try to roleplay with Data like Worf does. No. He's smarter than uh, Worf is what I'm saying. Uh, we see a scene where Data's in his quarters trying to feed Spot, who is a very good cat actor. Certainly better than Spiner when he says, Vamoose, you little varmint. Mm, yeah. Like, he really makes that cat look good. That guy yeah. jumped up on command twice. Second like, best answer in the room on his again. Laptop. Yeah. Sorry, Spiner. <laughs> Always at least, uh, at best, second. At best, second. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's rough to get upstaged by a cat, though. Worf uh, goes to the bar uh, looking for Alexander. He gets some more sass from Miss Annie, and now the Hollander gang comes in, and Worf thinks it's Data playing the role of uh, Frank Hollander yeah. until he fucks up Worf's shoulder, and then Worf has his own freeze program failure. Yeah, and also Worf looks very, very scared in this scene. Yeah. Not like a tough Klingon warrior who's ready to face death. Maybe there's nothing honorable about dying like this. <laughs> Maybe this would be extremely dishonorable. He, I'm sorry, what? How did he die? Kern He's a gets prince. the fucking autopsy report, and it's like, <laughs> oh, he was shot to death in a fake simulation of the Old West by a, a version of a character who'd been upgraded to have the abilities of the android you remember Dude, that, Kern Android. wouldn't have read all that. <laughs> he wouldn't have read all that. He would have gone, uh, hey, um, that's uh I'm really sorry to hear that, or congratulations. I don't I'm not gonna read that. He would have read it and said, Do you believe this shit? I'm definitely gonna have to kill myself. <laughs> like shame. for sure I have to kill myself now. Yeah, it sucks being a Klingon, dude. You got like a yeah. shitty cousin or something, it's just like the whole family's gotta commit suicide. Oh, no kidding, man. With our cousins, imagine. Oh, well, we would have been dead so long ago. No, we never would have existed. Family line. The whole line is just... Just garbage. Yeah, Yeah. it's just not good. Uh, Well, Worf tries to dive out of the bar. He does get grazed by a bullet in his arm. He gets back into the jail. He tells Troy the safeguards are not functioning, and also that's not Data. And neither is Eli Hollander, who looks like Data now, too. I mean, really, what he says is it, it looks like Commander Data, but it is not Data, and he's having flashbacks to that door. <laughs> that fucking door. Ah, uh, you're in my notes. Someone's <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> and he's not feeling good about it. He doesn't even really remember it's about the door. He knows it doesn't feel good, though, in the moment. It, it, it is, you're right, though. It's the exact same energy as one bridge, one Commander Riker. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking him up, for sure. Um, Troy, Troy guesses. And I, there's no other way to put this, but she guesses that if they can play out the story, mm. then the program will automatically terminate. Though for everything we've seen of the holodeck seems to indicate that it pretty much just rolls with the punches. Yeah. And I don't know why she thinks it's just going to fucking drop to the grid as soon as they uh, defeat the Hollanders or whatever. This time she's the one who's mistaken. She's remembering that that's how they beat the Royale. But that was yes. not a hologram. That, <laughs> that was, was not, not a holodeck, holodeck. simulation. <laughs> That was a weird alien fantasy. 
Uh, Which was, by the way, another thing. Was she even fucking around during the Royale? In those days, she had to be on the bridge being concerned, right? Whether or not anything was happening. She was briefly in Picard's office while he was listening to the audiobook of the Royale, and then she was disgusted and left, as as I recall. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. um, But that was uh, both episodes. They, the crews pulled a Spock and Kirk and just uh, declared that if they finish the story, <laughs> then they'll get out safe. Yeah, I, I'm just like, if she'd come to me with that, I would have said, fucking maybe. <laughs> yeah, think of a better plan than that, though. Because one, I don't fucking know this story. We could two, just keep getting people coming up to us telling us to get rid of a bear from someone's cabin. <laughs> like, it might never I don't think end. And then, then we have to fight a bear. So think about that. And That's what if right. the bear's data? The bear has data, skills, and abilities. But uh, Worf believes her. Yeah. Um, back in the ship, Data and Jordy explained to Picard that subroutine C-47 was replaced with Data's personal programming during the glitch. A subroutine with a bad name that controls library access, replicator selection, and entertainment programming. Mm. This somehow passed a code review. <laughs> One function... That controls all of those things, and its name, C-47. C-47. Uh, but is that not intuitive enough? These people grew up on L cars, all right? They got that. c forty seven's nothing to them. All right, maybe. <laughs> maybe they do code reviews different in the future. Yeah. Um, they go to run another diagnostic on Data because he can't stop being old Westy. Yeah. He's like, uh, sp- he's saying... Uh, folksy aphorisms and uh, spitting in plants. And they make up a thing about how he must have just got some shit from the library computer in there. That's what happened. They, again, yep. make no connection to the library No, no one, no, no one knows that Alexander's playing Old West. That is about but, uh, the Old West. No one checks with Barkley, even though once holodecks are involved, once entertainment programming is involved, get Barkley involved just in case. That dude knows the system better than anybody. It's just as likely that he did something that fucked everything up, because he's probably always messing with the holodeck. I mean, all I'm saying is not in not involving Barkley is the problem is going to surface a problem in episode 137 in Ship in a Bottle. <laughs> That's true. Uh, what happens next? <sighs> Troy tells Worf that Eli has Data's physical abilities, too, because mm. he's shuffling cards. But um, Worf already knew that because he's got a fucking busted shoulder or something. He certainly at least knew that the uh, it had data strength. It had me- it was possessed of mega strength. Yeah. And then Frank Hollander comes to visit his son and to threaten Worf one more time, and Worf agrees to make a prisoner exchange. Troy tells uh, Dumb Dumb season six Worf that he's going to be betrayed by an android who is three times as good as fighting as any two Ferengi. <laughs> That's it for you, Worf. You're done. <laughs> I mean, you remember last week, Worf. Yeah. This guy's better than that. Yeah, I know he didn't better. put up a good showing last week either, but like... Damn. He was quiet. It's gonna be bad. Too. It was great. I loved it. Must have been resting up. Resting his instrument for this week. Um, And now, back in the real world, Data and Jordy tell Riker that everything's gonna be fixed in an hour or two. So like, mm. I guess Worf only has to make it to tonight. Yeah, if he had any communication with the outside, they could have told yeah. him, just sit tight, man. Oh, or if he knew this, he could just start walking in any direction. I guess he was worried about 
he was what he was worried about was how everyone would react to him when Alexander died in there. Not that yeah. he didn't really care if Alexander died, <laughs> yeah, but like you're probably everyone would right. Lose respect for him. He knew he'd have to face it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, Worf doesn't have two hours. Right. This thing's about to go down. Uh, Miss Annie brings some Deadwood Hicks telegraph machine to Worf. Uh, he uses it to turn his communicator into a force field. Technology uh, yeah. yes. that would have been great at any, in almost any other episode of Star Trek. A personal <laughs> force field. Yeah, could have used it at any time. Turns out he's very handy at making those. It turns out he can make it with a couple of coils of wire from a telegraph and his communicator. Basically anything. Seems like he can make it out of basically anything. Any yeah. random box of electronics, he can do it. Um, he, it's going to only work for 15 seconds. None of that matters. He steps out, uh, with data as Eli Hollander to make the exchange. We see that all of Hollander's men are now data. Not that that matters at all. Yeah. Uh, of course, Frank Hollander starts shooting and Worf shield saves him. But now south of the border data throws Frank Hollander, another gun (laughs) and Worf shoots it out of his hand, but declines to kill him because you know, Alexander's watching. Yeah, it's important. Worf and Troy retreat into the saloon, but the program isn't over yet. Worf has to get a hug from Miss Annie, who is also Data, before the sweet release of death claims us all. Yeah. Uh, the Biko shows up. Everything's back to normal. Alexander's sleepy after his big day, but bummed out that Worf probably isn't going to want to do any of that again. But Worf agrees to play it again sometime, maybe on difficulty level three next time. Mm. He puts on his hat in the mirror, and silly music takes us to credits as Enterprise rides into the sunset. That's not a joke. That's the last shot of this episode, and it's a long one. I'm glad you said that thing about how it wasn't a joke that it really happened, because I have like I have four notes exactly like that. This yeah. isn't a joke. This is really happening. <laughs> That's what happened in A Fistful of Data's Matthew. What was it about? <clears throat> <clears throat> Strategy and ingenuity can make one man equal to a dozen? Or something? Yes, I did try to find a take. So there. I know you expected a (laughs) no-take. Honestly, I really did. I mean, it's a one, because, like, or it doesn't. Uh, (laughs) Or who cares? Or it doesn't, or who cares? So, it's just a one. But there you go. Ah, see, he was like, he had a good plan. They, they even had a, a shitty drawing of the town. And they knew where the rain barrels were. And, you know, he MacGyvered the shit out of that personal communicator. And then he beat all those datas. Well, here's a shock for you. I also didn't know take it. Ah, I like this. All right, good. <laughs> My take is, everything doesn't have to be so serious all the time. Play the flute, do a play, eat cat food to your heart's content, go play a character who canonically spends all his free time at a brothel with your three-year-old son in tow. Seriously, this episode is about nothing and they attempted nothing and I am giving it zero. Okay, (laughs) good. (laughs) But you see, not technically a no-take, right? Not technically a no-take. Yeah, so you leave leave open the possibility. Yeah, and here it comes. The execution points. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this was written by a guy who had no familiarity with westerns and had to rent a bunch of them, Brandon Braga, and directed by a guy who had no familiarity with westerns and had to rent a bunch, Patrick Stewart. 
I'm super confused. Um, was there a more popular genre of movie and television in the 20th century than westerns? <laughs> no, but uh, these guys didn't see any. How can you be a TV director, producer, whatever, and be like, I don't know nothing about westerns. Anybody seen one of those? I've never seen one. I've seen westerns. I don't have anything yeah. to do with the industry. What's fucking happening? Yeah, man, like, didn't you, you didn't even see True Grit? <laughs> yeah, like, what's happened? You didn't see any of those shitty John Wayne movies? You didn't see any movies with a singing cowboy? You absolute fucking moron? What's well, happening? They didn't get the job done. I watched a bunch of westerns at Christmas because that's all Katie's dad wanted to watch was westerns. We had to find a bunch of westerns to watch, and they sucked, but they were all better than this. Could have borrowed a DVD from mom. I think she's got some of those compilations. Yeah, if we'd known, if I'd known ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, naturally, this episode doesn't have anything to say about westerns, and it doesn't subvert western tropes in any way. It's just another example of Star Trek writers wishing they were doing something else for a minute. But not even something they know anything about, but they freely admit they know nothing about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's out on the back lot. Patrick Stewart got a crane in. You know, they tried some stuff, but who cares? Yeah. It's pure comedy from Riker swinging his arm out wide and reading Ode to Spot to Data spitting in the Observation Lounge planter, which is why it's such a shame that it isn't very funny. Uh, I I don't think there was any intentionally funny moments. I can't think of any. You don't... You don't think it was supposed to be funny when Data... Said to Commander Riker, y'all just sit tight. We'll have this fixed up in time for supper. I mean, I'm thinking it was supposed to be. But okay. it was a miss. All, all big miss. They missed it. Uh, Picard's going to get tortured in three weeks. I guess they wanted to keep it light for now. <laughs> but uh, coming right after Rascals. Like... Well, there's Not a reason it. I asked if they'd ever finished last place twice in a row. <laughs> I just have a feeling anyway. about this week. Uh, it sucks, man. What is there to say? I gave it a zero again. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Fucking Brent Spiner. And I said fucking Ron Moore because I saw his name on the screen, but I didn't remember why I saw it. But anyone who I saw on the screen, I was pretty mad about. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, obviously the episode's not really about anything. Just letting Brent really explore the space. Oh, yeah. Let him play in the space. Make this whole episode his canvas. It's a wild romp that sucks hard and that nobody wanted. And other than having their hobbies interrupted, no one's really in it other than the Wharf Troy Alexander 50 Brent Spiner characters. Nope. So we didn't really need to see any of that stuff. And, um... I don't know, it was just the worst kind of filler. It was just filler fucking central. Um Yeah, I gave it a I gave it a one. Alright. Not good. So far you are um you know, in terms of ratio, infinitely ahead of me. <laughs> I wonder if it'll stay that way. Is this gonna be your yeah. first ever zero? <laughs> What's the uh well I sent you my prelims and you know it wasn't a zero. But okay. maybe you can talk me down a bunch of points. Matthew, what's the what about world building? Uh, I had here the starship Vico. Wait a minute, wasn't that the hero warship ship? Have we not done that one yet? I thought we did that one. I guess that ship it's, made it out, or maybe they named another one Vico. Oh, I looked it up and it's Biko. Okay, it's that's Biko. Better. 
<laughs> but I had to look it up because I was so confused. I was like, I'm pretty sure we did that. But I think that ship got blown up by the guys in the helmets. Yes. <laughs> Except um, they didn't. Except they did not. Uh, Jordy and Dato. Jordy and Dato want to make Data the computer backup. Fucking brilliant plan. There was no drawbacks. <laughs> Nothing, you could not anticipate any issues with that plan, for sure. Hey, what if we had a computer problem and we just plugged in Data's brain? <laughs> Data's brain, you know, the one that works so good all the time. It's Not only is it pretty good up in there, but he definitely understands it and how it works. And it's not all a mystery to him. <laughs> I say, We're not about man. to learn that he has a fucking dreaming program that he activates. Yeah, soon the whole ship's going to be dreaming, man. It's going to be Great. Great. Uh, I said, yo, man, Game Boy Ultra Advance is the size of 10 iPads. <laughs> well, it has the face plates from three full uh, five and a half inch floppy disks on it, on the front. <laughs> so stupid. <clears throat> then I went back to the whole plan about data because I couldn't believe it. And I said, these dudes are so dumb. Don't connect data to the computer ever for any reason. Don't connect him there. Second, don't go into the holodeck, transporter, or near a replicator if data is connected to the computer. <laughs> Why would you do any of those things? It doesn't make any yeah, sense. Have they not seen the show? I didn't even mention it, but the the replicator was brought up because uh, it turns out everybody everybody on five or six decks getting was cat getting food. cat food. Yeah, They're getting fucking cat food because of data. Like, if I knew Data was connected to the computer, I'd eat rations for as long as it took. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? The replicator could just shoot lightning at me or something. I'd eat rations. I'd fill up my uh, sink drawer with water. <laughs> That's right. Gonna I'd be, probably we're just going to go on a little camping trip for a few Probably weeks. sit cross-legged in the middle of the room, right on the floor, away from any windows or anything. I'd, like, strap myself to the floor in case we start shaking all over the place. Maybe I'm going to wait this one out in a spacesuit. I'm just going to take a shuttle out, and you guys can pick me up later. <laughs> oh, hey, Captain Picard, I figured out what my hobby is. It's shuttle piloting. I'm going to go fly the Elbaz around. Give me the Elbaz. <laughs> and I'll see you guys in a week. Thank you. I'm going to practice bouncing it off the atmosphere. Then you fucking come back a week later. Everyone's grumbling about all the stupid shit that happened while you were gone. You're like, fucking nailed it. This plan is great. No, nah, man, you come back a week later and it turns out your personnel file's been deleted from all of Starfleet. And they just think you're another Kieran McDuff. That's right. Then you get McDuffed. And you end up getting McDuffed. No one wants that. Um, Troy keeps describing an era maybe as many as 500 years prior to the her present as ancient. That's true. Maybe that's what they call it in the 24th century. But why, though? She does say the ancient West over and over again. <laughs> I just, like, maybe it's not her fault. Maybe that's just what she was taught to call it. But why would they do that? Like, someone went through and fucking updated whatever stories her dad was reading to her as a, ki as a kid. And instead of the Old West, it's all the Ancient West now. <laughs> like, old wasn't good enough. Uh, again, Worf made a force field out of communicator pin and pieces of an old telegraph. Uh, neither one of those devices can make force fields, so that's pretty hot soldering. No, it's real good. That's like the good shit right there. Not only that, but he fucking melt mounted it perfectly to his belt. Oh my god, it covered him like a little like one of those eggs. It covered. He looked like the egg. Uh huh. Looked great. Yeah, man. Look, if no, it was taken, cool. Like, and 
if he'd taken a personal force field apart and attached his communicator to it to like make it more powerful or or to perfectly meld around his body, you'd be like, oh, he did pretty good work with that fucking force field. But now he used a telegraph. Yeah, he did. I mean, he used the fucking incredible uh, s- signaling key from the telegraph specifically. It's fucking incredible. He should. Why isn't he in engineering? It's a good question. Uh, it's a one. It's because Picard wanted all his junior officers to learn, learn, learn. Yeah, he did. He learned well, more than anyone, I think, has given him credit for. He's Sorry, did you say of, it was a one? It's a one. I gave it a one. That was very interesting. I gave it a zero. <laughs> um, And I wrote, uh-oh, was there any world building at all? Yeah, but you didn't like what I wrote? I wrote so many good things. You, wrote a, lot of, you wrote a lot of shit. That is true. Yeah. <clears throat> that is dumb. It's dumb for them to try to hook up data. That's not the character problem for me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, it is certainly a flaw in all of their characters, for sure. I guess if I think about it less angry, <laughs> there's such a thing as the engineering computer. Uh huh. Right? They're only attempting to replace a very limited subset of functions. But the engineering computer did still, did, still, still, did still seem to affect the replicator and uh-huh. the entertainment and everything. Yeah, all the entertainment libraries and the engineering computer, so the engineers can listen to Mozart, I guess. Yeah. No, nope, that's too dumb. Yeah, it's gonna stay a zero. <laughs> you know, I didn't technically. I did not write. I could see a zero, so I'm sticking with my one. Yeah, no, that's fine. Keep your one. It's, right. it's very interesting because we had the same low score, and now I'm thinking I gotta make up three points somehow. I guess you're going to. Yeah. Characterization. Yeah. Um, Picard has started learning to play the flute. I guess the Resicans didn't include any sheet music in their satellite archive because he's learning good old Mozart. Yeah, that's right. Um, but no, anyway, no, no, no. Again, take... again, we've already talked about the Ruck and Resicans. They did great work. Their plan was brilliant and it had no flaws. <laughs> <laughs> the music of their people will definitely live on. Oh, we forgot to include music. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, he's just going to be humming that tune. the one song we taught him to play. He can only hum it. He never fucking read it, I guess. Oh, he's just going to hum that tune forever. He's going he's gonna to forget the tune. Oh, He's going to get one of the notes wrong. <laughs> they fucked him so bad. Hey, man, like Gandhi, they wasted their life, for sure. They did waste their lives. Uh, but anyway, he's taking it pretty seriously. He's, like, recording himself and listening to the playback and getting yeah. annoyed that people want to talk to him about stuff. This is a pretty big hobby for him now. That's true. It's better even than his relaxation light. That's true. Uh, I forgot about that. Um, Beverly has moved from directing plays to writing them. Yeah. She Uh, thinks she's really, she thinks she's the fucking shit now. Riker seems to have gotten the acting bug. This is new. I mean, I didn't get the feeling he did, but maybe. (laughs) I mean, he's in the play for sure. I got the feeling he was bullied into it. And uh, I guess she felt like she couldn't ask him to audition, huh? Yeah. <laughs> because of their sexual past. They both have some... They're hanging on to some things from that whole Odin yeah. experience. Uh, Jordy wants to grow a beard again. Troy remembers Western stories from her old Earth daddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, of course, Worf would rather do anything than parent. But as long as it's something where he can personally have a good time doing it he's willing to do it twice even <laughs> uh other than Worf, who is is very old news that he sucks as a dad uh 
no one really comes off too bad here, except the unseen Reginald Barkley who put a brothel in a holodeck program for a toddler. <laughs> he did do that. He couldn't help himself, man. He needed to fuck in there sometimes. Yeah. And it had to be real. Yeah. I gave it a six. That's okay. That part is crazy. That's a crazy <laughs> score. What are you talking right. about? We learned so much about people, all of their hobbies. Riker wants to be an actor now. Okay, okay. here's what I got. Jordy's starting to grow a beard. He doesn't yeah. look. He doesn't like looking at Data's Christmas lights. Yeah. Crusher's working on a dumb play now. Mm-hmm. She looks so disappointed in the shot of her going into <laughs> that scene where Riker and the two extras are going to do their scene. She's already <laughs> very disappointed. They put in the show that those actors are terrible and Riker is terrible. Well, Before I, we even see any of it. That fucking empty lounge with its office carpeting oh, it's, is such a depressing space to rehearse a play. Yeah, I don't... I mean, being an actor is hard anyway. I wouldn't want to... That's not where you... You can't ply your craft there. Can you imagine they just fucking moved the conference room table out of the six-person conference room on the third floor and... <laughs> You got to go rehearse a play in there, and it's like you can hear someone's Zoom call from the next one. It's fucking shit. It's absolute shit. But she looks so mad at them when the scene begins. Uh, Picard gets to say to the camera that he isn't much of an actor. I assume that was just some great, some great stuff there. He's like, well, also see what I did there. Now he's a director. He's like, you guys see what I did there? I put that in as the director. That's a good line. (laughs) Uh, Worf doesn't want to take a vacation because it means he'll have to spend it with Alexander. I'm not making a snarky joke. That's what the teaser is all about. Uh-huh. It's extremely, like, Worf doesn't say it out loud, but it is so clear from how hard he tries to, tries to fight to just work. He and just wants to work. The way he slumps in that chair. And he's like, "Yeah, my boss told me I have to hang out with you. So let's go get it over with. Also, no shit, Worf likes the idea of being a fucking pig. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Gets hard as a rock when the when Alexander tells him he's the sheriff. Uh, Alexander, the galaxy's unluckiest child, really <laughs> thinks he can make his father love him by playing with him on the holiday. Yep. He's just never going to give it a rest. We'll see him when he's as much as eight, still trying this kind of shit. But by the way... Not enough to just let War fucking run ragged over it at level one and just a pawn. <laughs> well, he didn't want it to be everybody. over. He's like, oh shit, if it's over, my dad won't love me yet because that was only three minutes of play. Ah, we need yeah, this yeah. thing to go on a little longer. <laughs> we need to go through some adversity together. Then he'll love me. I swear it. I'm three, but <laughs> re- very recently, however long ago 66 star dates is, there seems to be a thousand of them in a year, so it's not 66 days. No. Yeah. Uh, I also had Barkley hornied up this kid's program. Did he also racist up this program? Oh, we talking about Senor Eli? Is is Barkley responsible for the Mexican friend? Cause could be. Didn't love it. That guy got made all the way up to Deadwood, though. It's true. It's not in Arizona. Um. Troy gets caught up in this uh, Alexander Wharf shit too. I guess they might as well start dating, man. She's already oh, I, Alexander's fucking yeah, I mom. Yeah, I mean, they're almost dating. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Has she been playing this game with Alexander already? She knows all the characters' names and everything. Like, 
It's fucking weird. But I, I bet that Alexander... Do you know, like, sometimes you'll get a meeting invite and like there's uh-huh. a bunch of shit in the description and then you get to the meeting and everyone's like all right so you guys all read the documents in the description right and you're like oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent read all of the attachments that i'm sh- i'm sure i'm not going to regret saying there were attachments there were attachments right yes i read them <laughs> i definitely didn't sigh out loud when the invite came in and then just clicked yes at the top of the thing without <laughs> even reading it <laughs> and then i clicked do not send a response I don't well, I bet there was a lot see, of... I don't even want you to see that I agreed to do this. But there was a lot of backstory in there, and Worf was like, I'm not doing that, and didn't even read it. <laughs> uh... Oh, yeah, I had it as a two. So that's where... So our... we are a little bit apart. That's where the difference is. <laughs> um, Quick ones? What, what about quick ones? Uh, that holodeck program had no idea how to deal with the Starfleet palm strike. It was fucking instant oh, no. KO. It was like, I guess he's dead? I think he killed the guy in the program. <laughs> but it did know to call him Sheriff Worf. Yes. So... Although, it also made uh, references to his distinctive cranial ridges. It said he was ugly. That he looked like an armadillo. Yep. It knew a lot. It was like there was a lot happening in there. Uh, Data's laptop is the same model as Queen Latifah's in Living Single. <laughs> so Does she, she have a really ancient laptop like Dave got, Foley in News Radio? Yeah, she's got a hella boxy, thick as hell fucking laptop. When he's looking uh, at black and white porn? Yeah, probably. Um, For the 50th time, who are Troy's real parents? Oh, yeah. Where does her English by way of Greece accent come from? I guess her dad probably had a fucked up accent. Except we will see him in her memory of him later. And he's just uh, just some uh, plain as hell American dude. And but where, just, where would you say Luoxana Troy is from? Philadelphia? <laughs> like, what is her accent? <laughs> I don't know. It's true. It is... Um, uh, grandiose in the way she talks, but without any specific accent. Yeah. Um, but then, she, again, she's got this fucked up accent. Her dad's reading her stories about fucking Deadwood or whatever. What's happening? Troy... She just, you know, she got to Earth, and everyone, like, she is a Betazoid, but she's only half Betazoid, and also, they look real similar. Right. So, she she just tried to make herself more exotic-seeming, probably. She um, she looks long and hard at this map. Like, <laughs> yep, that's definitely Arizona. <laughs> this is going to help me a lot. Estab- what is she supposed to be doing in that? Established that they're in the town of Deadwood and that he's uh, that Worf is going to take Eli to Rapid City for trial. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely Arizona. <clears throat> what did Jean- what did uh, Patrick Stewart think was happening in that scene? Since he I was don't the know. director of this film. I don't know, because episode. it's not a layout of the town. She's no. not studying it to figure out where the Hollanders are coming from, unless but they're coming from this, New Mexico. She gives it this very approving look, like, yes, 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 Arizona, I understand. That's incredible. It seems like she realized the character of Durango didn't have a lot to do when she gave herself some business. <laughs> not not Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy. Deanna Troy herself. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. She said out loud. Then Durango looks at the map. <laughs> she approves. Um, and then did Worf or Troy draw that map of the town they were doodling all over? Because <laughs> it was like, it wasn't that bad. It was a pretty good little overhead view of the town. Maybe Miss Annie drew it for him. Maybe. Uh, Worf is using auto-aim. That the map included the location of a rain barrel. That's what I'm saying. It was like um, it was like a pretty good map. <laughs> Who sat down and drew that? Uh, did, did you hear what I said? He was using auto-aim. Oh, he definitely had auto-aim on. It's like, only, only on difficulty level four. Like the holodeck broke, but it did not turn off auto-aim. He fucking no. cheesed the fuck out of that whole mission. With his fucking cheat code fucking personal force field and his auto-aim. Look, I mean, look, either that or there is something deeply wrong with the ergonomics of a hand phaser because Worf shot at a two-wide Ferengi formation 18 feet away the week before and fucking whiffed bad. Fucking air melted. <laughs> just, just absolute that dog Ferengi shit. That Ferengi ducked, but I don't think he needed to. And yeah, okay, they were two feet downhill because Worf was at the top of the horseshoe. Oh, but like... He whiffed it bad, but no, he can shoot Eli Hollander at the other end of that alley. With a fucking or Frank Hollander's gun at the other end of that alley with a the Colt revolver. Yeah, some bullshit. I think he has it on um, Explorer mode, where you, yeah. the battles are easy. <laughs> yeah. it's, he's there for the story. Exactly. <laughs> uh, here's where I have Alexander's three years old, exclamation point. Um... But just three years old. I just want to be clear about that. Yep. He's not an old three. No. He would not tell you I'm three and a half. No, he would probably just he probably just had his fucking birthday when he became a child soldier last week. He would be three weeks ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he had just had it. The that listen, that remote control car was a birthday present. <laughs> from was. Troy. Not from Worf. Don't don't no, get no, no, it twisted. No. Troy Worf doesn't know if we were it's very clear. He's Worf in the show. Right. Worf has no idea when he was born. Yeah. Um Marjan really went for Spiner and Address. She laughed it up good. I, I that's clearly how we were supposed to take that. Uh-huh. Now she didn't say at the end of the episode that was perfect, like she did about Rascals, but Uh, that's it for me. Um, no matter how many times they say Biko in this mm-hmm. episode, it doesn't sound like the name of a ship somehow. The ship should be named Mondor. That's right. That's a good name for a ship. Yeah. Majestic. Um, you know Worf got Alexander this video game system at Space Walgreens because it said it had 999 games. <laughs> But each one is a single level, and there's only actually 99 different games, but they have 10 palette swaps each. Yep. And uh, and Alexander wants to play Call of Duty 2369, but Warsaw is like, you already have a thousand video games. That's right. That's his built-in excuse. He'll never have to buy him another one. Yep. Um, Counselor Troy already had today off before she even heard the Biko was delayed. Of course, it's a Saturday. Yeah. This scene suggests that the holodeck characters can see Worf's crinkly nose and forehead and remark on it, which A, sucks because it means they're programmed to be racist, and B, is very inconsistent from holodeck episode to holodeck episode. Barclays made some tweaks on this one that made them pretty offensive. This this program's pretty offensive. Uh, Katie likes to tell English actors to, quote, keep our accents out of your mouth. (laughs) 
So that's how I felt about Durango. Sure. Um, okay. Troy's human dad read her Old West nonsense. Sure. But where did she learn to smoke a cigarillo? Yeah. She's puffing away on that thing. Yeah. She's not even hacking and coughing. No. Even though that's the corny thing to do. It's true. It would have been 50% cornier. What is wrong with uh, Pat Stu? How come he didn't order her to do that? Yeah. <sighs> what are we supposed to think of Miss Annie when she's hitting on Worf? Are we supposed to think he's supposed to be into it, or is he supposed to be grossed out the way Worf seems to be playing it? Man, I thought the way he was playing it was he didn't even realize he was being hit on, which was I mean, that is a possibility. He does refer to her as Madam quite a bit. Yeah, like he just doesn't even get it. He looks confused every time she uh, comes on to him or is angry at him. He doesn't understand any of it. That's how I read it. Um, Riker's acting shirt? I'd wear it. (laughs) It's a a pretty good shirt. Yeah, it's a quality shirt for sure. I wonder if that's one of Frakes' shirts. It's uh, Sure, it's a little open, and I don't usually go around showing off chest hair. But I mean, I'm looking back at his his framed picture that I have up. Uh Uh-huh. And I mean... (laughs) Is it not dissimilar? It's a pretty similar shirt now that I think about it. You can go. Uh, you can go look at the at brother date uh, post on Mastodon. I do. I do have a post of Riker in that shirt. So. Oh, oh, good. I am. Um, I'm not gonna do it on Mastodon because I don't know how to do it. But it's also on. Uh, it's also on Threads. I'll look on the gram here. Is it on the gram? No, but it's on what Threads or Mastodon. I don't know how to do those. I'll never know how. Oh, hold on. You know this about me. I do know this. About, I should know this about you. It's fine. I, I've seen the episode. I know what the shirt looks like. Okay. Oh, it's a I'm good getting, shirt. I'm getting the, the link to the 10 forward.soch. Am I still logged into Screen? Yeah, I am. I'm Screen, everybody. That one wasn't taken. <laughs> uh, wait, where's this? Oh, yeah, that is the shirt right there. Yeah, man, that's a good shirt. I wear that shirt. That's all I'm saying. Like, like in cold weather, especially because even though it's got a V-neck, it's it's also got like a double lapel up there. Yeah, it's like kind of like a ribbed kind of. Uh-huh. Looks like it'd be pretty warm in that section. Yeah, man, I'm gonna see if they got that shirt around. Yeah, I'd wear get that you shirt. that sh- get you that shirt. Cool. Let's see if I can describe to the internet how to get this. Give sh- <laughs> how do I get that shirt? Hey, you know this shirt I'm talking about? It's got the neck, the one with the neck. Uh, Riker, my dude, you did not recognize that as Ode to Spot until you got to the end. You cannot play it off like you did. Just explain that you basically slept through the actual performance because you were being schismed every night. It's also, right. next time read the script before you get to rehearsal. Yeah, he uh, he definitely got to the end and she went, "That's not those That's... aren't the lines. And he went, yeah, I know. I know it's one of Data's poems. I recognize I know that. that. I know I read most of it, but um, I, I knew what going. was happening the whole time. <laughs> He really would have just kept going. She stops him. Yes. Uh, and like I said, he reads it wrong. He doesn't understand what he's saying. No, those are he, all. Those are like the. Those are like the words he says to the Ferengi guy last week. It is. It is exactly. You don't like know that. what they are. But it's not a question. Is your taxonomic nomenclature 
an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature? That's not a question. The, <laughs> the line is Felis caddis is your taxonomic nomenclature. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't know. It's declarative. He doesn't know that part, but also he was like, what's a calilactral though? What is a bilateral calilactral is what I want to know. I think I said it. I think I invented it. Is that anything? Do I get... Am I... Do I... Am I joining the Daystrom Institute? <laughs> I think I just made a new technology. It looks like commander data, but it is not data. I cannot explain. It's like when there are two doors and two commander Rikers. You get it. <laughs> you know, that situation. The situation of two Rikers. Uh, oh, I she'll didn't get even... that. She'll get that situation soon enough, man. <laughs> uh, I didn't even write it down when it happened, but in the earlier scene when Eli didn't know how to shuffle cards, mm. I did notice it. But I guess everyone noticed it in Universe Two, and it was Chekhov's shuffle. I just thought oh, that actor doesn't know how to shuffle cards. The kind That's of weird. guy to do old westy stuff. He can't play with cards. Yeah. I guess Eli must have still been dim-witted when Troy insisted loudly twice that her name was Durango in front of him, because <laughs> later he definitely tells his dad she ain't said her name. <laughs> you were in the room, my dude. That's something that was not programmed in. Barkley didn't do that right. To Holodick, when, when a, one real person is clearly making an aside to another person and saying, Durango, my name's Durango. Durango. Are the characters programmed not to hear that? Like it's a stage know. play? Yeah, I guess. That could be. Look, man, in Star Trek, lots of people don't hear things that we at home hear, for sure. I guess that's like true. Like, <laughs> every single time someone's transmission is garbled and you can hear all the words, and then they go, ah, it was all nothing. I couldn't hear any of it. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Why did you make it so we could hear it? Um, This is the episode that Patrick Stewart <laughs> thought Red Dwarf was ripping off. What? When he turned on Gunmen of the Apocalypse for a few minutes, and he was like, they're, they're ripping you... off our episode. Oh, I, I imagine getting protective Coolio. about this episode. I didn't know it was a Coolio situation. Yeah. Where he was, he was ripping off Old West movies, and then someone else did ripped off the Old West, and he got mad about it? That seems to be what happened. Oh, well, that's too bad. Now, maybe that's just a story he told on that Red Dwarf A to Z oh. documentary, right? But... Yeah, That's what he says. That could have been this episode hmm. that he directed. Yeah, because they didn't do any TOS episodes that were in the Old West at all. <laughs> His was the exactly. first. Well, Patrick, you know, Patrick Stewart didn't see any TOS episodes. <laughs> His was the first ever parody of the Old West. If it was a parody, I'm not sure what it was. He he, we watched three or four of them before uh, Unification because he knew he was going to have to talk to Spock. That's right. I've uh, I think I've heard that name before. Should I? Should I know anything about Spock? I don't think you need to. Oh, there's a bunch. There's like a lot of them. There's like 80 of those. Uh, Honestly, there's a there's not a lot of references to the old stuff in this episode. Oh, there's movies, too, you say? Oh. Well, I'm probably not going to watch those. Uh, I gave best actor to the guy on Hollander's crew who doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that guy. And uh, worst actor to Troy as Durango. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Fucking horrible. 11 points, dude. It ain't great. They're getting worse, they, I mean, it's man. A, it scored a point better than Rascals. But so. they're getting worse. They're trending so bad. And, like, honestly, that's how I remember it. This <laughs> yeah. is matching up. Oh, man. It was rough, but it's over. Um, right. We get to move on to discussing 
the series that finished second place last week, that was Voyager. This yeah. week we watched Tsunkatsu. Hell yes! It's all worth it, man. Six years of Voyager, it's all worth it, because you got to the one that The Rock is in for a very short amount of... Yes, hell yes, man. The Rock. Woo! Uh, we open with a long, loving pan all around an alien MMA ring. We can see that there are several Starfleet officers in the crowd, so I guess everyone's here to watch this fight. Yeah. A skinny, wiry dude comes out to mild applause. Honestly, he kind of looks like one of the guys from the Mutaido. A little bit. From the Mutai. Yeah, he looks like a, a <laughs> the Mutai champion. or whoever yeah, is supposed exactly. to be. Yeah. Then we see a, a Hirogen with uh, too much shit on his face, as usual. Yeah. And they fight for a minute. They're administering some shocks with their shock gloves and their special shock shoes. <laughs> The Which guy with too much... You yeah. don't know anything about from STO at all. <laughs> oh, man. Is any of this shit in STO? Oh, dude, you can get all the Tsunkatsu set. You can get the gloves and the fucking armor and shit. You can get all of this. Like, there's a whole set. Man, I stay away from ground combat so much, I uh, oh, it's not I good. don't think I knew any of that. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Would that make it easier to be in, uh, in, uh, Col- in Coliseum? Into the Coliseum episode oh, where you have to um, fight maybe. all that shit. Yeah. I mean, those gloves probably aren't as good as, like, a really good other melee weapon would be my yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, the Herogen wins and everyone chants soon caught for a bit. Hell yeah. Hell to yes. credits. Loved it. Uh, after the credits, Janeway explains in a captain's log that the crew is enjoying shore leave on the Norcadian homeworld. While she visits Pandari, a planet in a neighboring system. She gives Chakotay a little rundown of things she's worried about, and then disappears from most of the episode. <laughs> she was gone for so long, I thought that was just it. I was like, oh, I guess she, uh, did she direct this? Why is she just yeah, not in I it? Had this, just I had the same thought. Is, did Kate Mulgrew direct? No, she didn't. Nope. Um, as soon as she's gone, Bolana immediately tries to get Chakotay to blow off his duties so that they can go down and watch another one of these cool MMA fights. Yeah. In the C or D or E plot, Neelix has a very bad sunburn. It's true. You're but not wrong to say it's its own plot because we get a lot of updates on we it. We check in on his sunburn a couple more times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, But the, his main purpose here is that he was doing something else and he doesn't know what Tsukatsu is so that everyone can explain it to him. We get the full exposition when he goes to that fight. Uh, a lot of the crew are into this fucking thing, but not Tuvok and Seven and Nine. They want to take a shuttle to investigate a collapsing micro-nebula, and Chakotay's like, yeah, I don't care. Why would I stop you from working just because it's a designated <laughs> hobby day? <laughs> you don't got to go play with your kid or nothing. Do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, if you want to be productive, that's cool. Go for it. Um, Tom Paris goes into the cargo bay that is Seven's bedroom, but anyone can just go in there whenever they want. Hell yeah. And starts talking about men pack like this and women pack like that. Real Sinbad level material. It's for no reason. He's just there to do his Sinbad stuff. Yeah. 
He's just like, oh, Seven's going on a little trip. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I he bet probably she packs. pulled this ooh. exact shit with Chakotay when uh, when Janeway left, when she packed her stuff and left, and Chakotay just wasn't paying attention. He's like, oh, I'm gonna go try again. <laughs> Yeah, I'll it was really unsatisfying, else. but he thought he had a real observation there. Uh-huh. He's like, who else is packing? Oh, Seven's packing. I'm going to go try it on her. Uh, Shmelis also intercepts Seven. He tries to talk her into using shore leave to uh, go look at museums with her or whatever. He thinks they're friends in a way that they're not. Well, shit, man. Uh, a couple of people tried to stop her from going on this thing, but Chakotay didn't. He's, this is all his fault. I mean, it's kind of his fault. Um, she does a reversi on him and invites him to nebulize with them, but he defers. Uh, but he does suggest that she brush up on her uh, lesson on parlor games to pass the time so that they don't have too much awkward silences. And I guess that gets through to her because in the F plot of this story, <laughs> she is like, huh, Tuvok, we haven't talked in a long time. And he's like, that's fine. That's hey, that's me. That's what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. It's just sitting, sitting and being quiet. Yeah. But um, but then an alien vessel approaches, and it won't answer their hail, and it jams up their comlink to Voyager, and then it fucks up their shield somehow, and then they beam a whole bomb in there. Yeah. And it goes off when Tuvok tries to disarm it. And then he's blind, and Seven has to lead him around for a <laughs> whole year. Sorry. Um... It turns out that the reason they put a bomb on the shuttle was to kidnap them? Yeah. Even though the shields were down and they could have just beamed them out? Seems like they had the ability to transport into that shuttle, so they uh-huh. probably could have transported yeah. them out. Instead, they definitely took the risk of blowing up the people they wanted to kidnap. I mean, they anyway, blew up Tuvok pretty good. Uh, Seven wakes up to find Jeffrey Combs uh, <laughs> in the role of Pink scanning her. Yep. That's Pink with an E. If you have the if you have the pin pen merger, then maybe you heard me say pink. Right, it's either a blue dress or a or a brown dress. What the what, what the fuck colors are that dress? Oh, uh, blue and black or white color. and gold. Yeah, blue, black, or white and gold, depending, man. <laughs> Fucking depends. Well, if you're like me, you just keep uh, for the rest of the episode. You just kept hearing uh, "Pink" by Yura in your head. Oh, well, that's line. a good song. That's a good ass song. Yeah, they should have played that. This episode would have been way better. Yeah, it's a shame it hadn't been invented yet, but well, look, hey, they could have done a lot of things to make this episode better. Yeah. Like, uh, just more rock. Yes, but I mean, for, for fuck's sake, we haven't even talked about him yet. No, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. You know what I mean? He's not in the description yet. He welcomes her to Tsunkatse, and he starts talking a lot about how they've never had a Borg drone in the ring before, and she's so powerfully augmented that she's sure to be a good fighter, and what's weight classes? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he tells her Tuvok was injured, but he agrees to let her see him since nothing matters more to him than the happiness of his fighters. And he's doing a real Jeffrey Combs voice there. Yeah, he really is just Jeffrey. He didn't come up with anything for this one. He's no, just he was Jeffrey like, Combs. just a Wei Yun without, with different, with different shit on my face. Just a bad mustache, bad mustache Wei Yun. <laughs> bad, I'm actually, I am canonically in my head. I am Wei Yun just with a bad mustache. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok is dragged in. He's in obvious pain. When Seven tries to get medical treatment for him, Pank tells her that she has to start winning fights if she wants to make demands. And Tuvok says, don't, don't fight in the ring. Don't do it. But then Pank threatens to schedule Tuvok to a red match, which the Hirogen, who does not have a name, and that's why I have to keep saying that, 
doesn't have a name, but is played by <clears throat> but, the guy who plays Martok. The second he opens his mouth, you know it's Martok. That's right. <laughs> Explains that a red match is a fight to the death. It's Jeffrey Combs and Martok, and I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? I, I'm going to tell you now, the weirdest thing is Memory Alpha says this is their first scene together. That Martok and Wayun don't have a scene together in all of Deep Space Nine. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I know Cisco sees Wayun a few times, but yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, so instead, Seven agrees to fight in a blue match if they treat Tuvok. That's one where they don't kill each other. Right. Uh, and uh, don't worry. Whenever they, whenever there's a match in this one, the gloves and the ring are the color of the match, including so, in the beginning where it's green. But we don't know what the difference is between uh, a blue and a green. I don't, I don't know about green match. Yeah. Well, up on Voyager, they don't know the crew's missing yet. Everyone's looking over betting forms and talking about how, uh, you know, what's tougher, Parisi's squares or um, light heavyweight boxing? (laughs) This Parisi's squares is scary, man. Yeah. And, hey, apparently Harry Kim took a pretty good knock to the ribs with a Parisi's mallet. Oh, shit. It's a mallet? Yeah. Fuck. Um, They have there. It's a real bro out up there. Uh, including like a, a playful challenge from Harry Kim to Tom Paris to fight, notably not to Chakotay. No, 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 no. But no, to no, Tom no. Paris. My no. money's on Harry Kim. We ain't never no. seen Tom Paris do as much as one shoulder roll. No, no, no. Not to Chakotay, who, as we all know, um, has to fight <laughs> so that he doesn't turn out crazy like his grandfather. <laughs> He's a nice grandfather. He's a very nice grandfather. He seemed like a cool dude. Well, Chakotay has taken some of Bolana's advice and delegated to her control of the ship. <laughs> Which is so just that, a dick move. So that he could go and watch the fight. And for no reason other than to be a dick. <laughs> no reason other than to go, that Chakotay's kind of a dick. Everyone at home, you keep a track? She's dating someone else now and he's going to be a dick to her. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's going to transfer to Alaska or whatever. Meanwhile, Neelix's sunburn has turned into gross blisters because even though he cooks with Leola root every goddamn day and it's the only piece of Talaxian culture we know anything about, it turns out he is allergic to the lotion he made. Hey, no one's going to make you read these parts about his sunburn. I don't I'm think just saying, it, it was the C-plot. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Neelix and Shmolas have a two-pronged argument about whether Neelix is basically a chiropractor and he needs to knock it off with, quote, Talaxian holistic medicine. Mm. Homeopathic? Talaxian homeopathy? I didn't write it down. Uh, yeah. Or And also whether martial arts are barbaric or like, I don't know, just a good old time. Right. And uh, Schmollis again fails to entice anyone to go to a museum with him. Yeah, he did try again, didn't he? He sure did. He's not even Neelix's friend, but... no. He didn't want to go to that museum alone. Well, there was a one-way love rivalry. He wanted people to hear rivalry. his good insights about art. <laughs> they had a one-way love rivalry with Kess, where Neelix didn't seem to understand that the Doctor was his love rival. <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> but the Doctor knows. Exactly. Uh, but his thing's seven and nine now. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Kess has been gone for longer than she was alive at this point, so it don't matter. Yeah. And is she still alive? Who knows? Just, who knows? Exactly. Uh, we cut back to the Octagon, where Chakotay, Neelix, Kim, and Paris are watching a fight and giving us light rules exposition. <laughs> and suddenly, 
the next fight starts and everyone smells what The Rock is cooking. Hell fucking yes. He Loved is it. all trapezius muscles and uh-huh. forehead bumps. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. he's he's Pendari. Sure. And they're known for their strength and bad temper. And his opponent is, what? Seven of nine? Uh-oh. Whoops. Uh, in an outfit that is sleeveless and lower cut, but at least she gets to wear sneakers, so it's like a lateral move for Jerry ah, Ryan. Now who's been in whose notes? <laughs> um, She's still in a very tight corset under that tank top, but, how you come, know, um, sneaks. How come when she comes in, they all immediately assume she doesn't want to be there? How come they don't go, yeah, seven, hell yeah. This is it the is best a, fight I've ever been to. It is a good point, and also, uh, Katie was watching this, and when the fight starts, and Chakotay and everyone just start shouting her name, Katie was like, that's just going to distract her. That's right. She's going to get punched in the head while you're doing that. Um, She's going to get the she people's can- elbow while you're doing that. She can't hear them, and I guess they think it's just because it's too loud in there. But when they call to have her beamed up, uh, it turns out they're being hollow projected, and the whole fight is happening somewhere else. Yeah. Um, she's holding her own against The Rock, maybe because he hasn't got that contract that says he can't lose a fight yet. Right. Um, oh, but maybe he does have that rule in his contract because she hesitates and he wins the fight. Yeah, how does he win? Oh, he gives her the uh, the rock bottom. He gives her the rock bottom. <laughs> he delivers the rock bottom. It's pretty good. He does. I was really looking for the people's elbow. Yeah, I mean, if that had been able to go another minute and a half, we could have seen yeah. him strut around the ring and then fucking bounce off the ropes a few times and fucking people's elbow would have been great. People's elbow would have been awesome, but he did the rock bottom. He, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to complain. The real rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I didn't complain. I didn't complain about anything in this episode. Yeah, yeah great yeah. episode. He they give him some very poor trash talk to deliver to her, where he has to say she's no bigger than a Tarkasian field mouse or something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's not good, and I wish they'd just let the Rock write it. Well, stay out of my notes, you fuck. <laughs> You're such a fucking ass. I don't think that's his fault. That's all I'm going to say about that. I think that's right. <clears throat> um, Voyager calls Janeway. She's out on the Delta Flyer to let her know, hey, shit got wild while you were gone. By the way, immediately, shit got wild. Yeah, you and shouldn't she's have like, left. Uh, we didn't do it good. Okay, all right. But I'm 48 hours away, so I guess keep me apprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven wakes up. Herojin Martok is uh, using a dermal regenerator on her and giving her advice about how she could have won her last fight and what it will take to survive in here and... And then Pent comes in and tells her people loved seeing a board get beat up. And uh, and he has scheduled her in a red match for the day after tomorrow because he's not smart. And instead of fucking milking it out and having her lose match after match, yeah. he's just going to see her. Get, it, people are going to love watching her get killed. Yeah, in two days. And then, yeah, and then I got to look for the next thing. Yeah, and, uh, Vince McMahon would have let her lose for at least a year and a half. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she tells, uh, the Herogen that she won't kill, but she does agree to let him train her since he claims to know her opponent's weaknesses. He mainly teaches her lessons like people don't follow the rules and never sympathize with your prey. Nothing much about her opponent that we can see. Sure. He he doesn't say like, all right, this guy's Vendradian and, uh... Their balls are in their knees, so kick them in the knees. You know about these guys. You've heard about these. You guys call them before. species eight six six four or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't nothing like that. Instead, he's just going to be like, show no mercy. Uh-huh. Be a hunter like me. 
Yeah. Why is that? I wonder. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a very interesting question, yeah. and I was very disappointed when I told Katie who she was going to fight. Who she was definitely going to fight in the red <laughs> match. Yep. Just based on this speech. <laughs> well, look, nothing uh, else about this plot made any sense otherwise. Yes, that's true. Because <laughs> otherwise, why did he give a shit? Yeah. Uh, Neelix comes back from meeting with uh, the Norcadian ambassadors, having been given a bunch of lip service, but he's very pessimistic that anything will be done, since Tsunkatsu is a major revenue source for them. Mm. But the crew have worked out that the fights are being broadcast from a big ship. Unfortunately, it is way too big and powerfully armed for Voyager to handle. Chicote has that information passed along to Janeway and then does not come up with another plan. They're, uh, they're, this shit is so important to them that they, it's like they broadcast this shit from a Nimitz-class carrier or something. Yes, exactly. Like you're not getting anywhere near this fucking broadcast center. By the way, in international waters, for sure, so the Norcadians can be like, ah, uh, we don't have yeah, jurisdiction. anything goes out here. <laughs> oh, I get it, but we, it's just, you what know. What can you do? They're more than 11 miles above the planet's surface, so... And they're the U.S. military. What are you going to do? Seven has finished an off-screen training montage, and Martok tells her to go rest before her match, which is going to be in 10 minutes. He doesn't say that, but, like... Yeah. You know, we're there. And that um, if she wants to thank him, she can thank him by winning. Mm. She goes to check in with Tuvok, uh, whose role at this point is just to let us know it's impossible for them to escape. (laughs) So she's going to have to fight. Um, and he tries to convince her to give her all to survive and that it's okay. And that it doesn't make her a bad person, et cetera, et cetera. Pank comes for seven. Weirdly doesn't take the Herogen at the same time, just seven. And we return to the octagon. That's so that there's could be the suspense. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, seven enters first and surprise, surprise, her opponent is the Herogen. Oh, wow. That's interesting. In their uh, private version of the arena that doesn't have a crowd, he tells her that 19 years is a long time to fight, and he wants a death his son would be proud. He's got a son, and he doesn't know what happened to his son. They were both taken at the same time. Yeah. But he will kill her if he has to. If she's not the if she's not the one to beat him, he will kill her. Yeah. A Voyager rolls up on the Tsunkatsu ship. Again, they have no better plan. So he once. Pank refuses to return Seven to Tuvok. They just start fighting. Yeah. Uh, Pank's not really scared about this. The fight continues. Seven and the Herogen try to convince each other, you know, about the morality of fighting, and she's, she doesn't want to, etc. The whole thing. The whole yeah, episode. Yeah. They just rehash it here. Yeah, I guess no one in the they, crowd can hear they, this or cares about it. Not that they have any choice at this point, because they are in the red match. So like, yeah, exactly. It's probably a thing where they both get zapped if they uh, if they don't do the the killing. Yeah, I imagine so. Pank doesn't seem like he'd be very understanding if they decided uh, not to kill each other, like at the end of the Hunger Games. Sure. Oh, I, spoiler! I, I was gonna say I've never seen that, but sure, yeah. Uh, or like at the end of the episode where Worf had to fight all those Jemadars. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Voyager does enough damage to beam Tuvok out, but the actual ring is much better protected. They can't they can't get Seven out of there. So Chakotay changes tactics and uh, starts shooting at the antennas that are broadcasting the fight. But then Voyager's tapped out. Weapons and shields are knocked out, and they just gotta go to evasive maneuvers. But at this point, Janeway returns in the Delta Flyer, a big shuttle. 
and somehow that thing has enough juice to knock out the broadcast. Well, you know, Tom Paris designed it. Oh, yeah. All those oh, fins yeah. make it really good at taking out huge spaceships. <laughs> um, Pink reroutes to different antennas because his viewing, his numbers are dropping, man. The ratings are going down. Yeah. And yeah. now, now the shields around the ring are weak enough that Harry Kim can get a lock, but only on both fighters. As if there's any peril here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess he doesn't know. They, I guess on the ship, they can't hear them having that talk either about well, whether they should kill each other. Or... He's also worried that they may have to shut down Fairhaven. Oh, yeah, that's true. That he would just... be a real bummer. They just fixed it. Yeah, he does mention that. Uh, Seven is about to deliver the killing blow. You know, uh, two-handed hammer strike. Yeah. When they're beamed out. That'll do it. That won't just bug him. Yeah. <laughs> definitely kill him. That definitely will be fatal. Um, Voyager starts making for the Alpha Quadrant again. They arrange a rendezvous with a Herogen hunting party because they're on such good terms with those guys now. Yeah, and also, those guys are definitely around after yeah, their and, four huge space jumps. Uh, and they're for sure gonna love taking on this guy who's been kept as a prisoner for 19 years fighting they're people They're gonna eat him on the first night. Yeah. The guy's done. Uh, well, before he goes, he gives Seven his laser tag target as a trophy and tells her that his next hunt will be to find his son. Oh, good stuff. That's she good. says that she doesn't know if she would have killed him. That, you know, maybe there was a man malfunction in the transporter beam or something. <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> sorry about your notes, man. I'm sorry I've left him in a shambles. Why'd you? You ruined them all. You've ruined them. <laughs> Tuvok goes to check on her in Astrometrics. And he breaks his normal silence's golden policy to thank her for saving his life. Mm. She tells Tuvok that she's worried because she lost control in the arena and she's undone some of her progress. And he says the thing that people say all the time on TV, but no one says in real life. The fact that you feel guilty proves that you still That's you right. still have your humanity. So you can kind of do end. anything you want. And then at the uh -huh. end you can go, oh, oh, do you feel, bad, do you about feel bad about it? Ah, okay, you're not solved. So, <laughs> so Matthew... Are you interpreting all the symbols? I gave up. Searching your subconscious for their meaning? It wasn't getting me anywhere, Chaco. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, spectator sports are often unethical or immoral, and even consuming media coverage of them makes you fucking guilty by association. Always been true, but somehow always more true? <laughs> I think about it all the time. It's actually something that I can't stop thinking about. You just think about some kids destroyed back and knees at best, or you see a report that came out this week that says like 80% of uh, football players aged 30 or over have CTE. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, uh, the numbers get more frightening all the time when one of those reports comes out. Yeah, uh, that's one example. There's a million of them. There's just nothing but examples is my point. So, um, oh, fuck, man, I gave it a seven. <laughs> I see. Oh, I now have an, a very, some very interesting thoughts about how the scores are going to go this week. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's probably just because I'm just, I'm in a funk with sports these days. I'm just in a bad mood about yeah, it. Yeah, I so. hear you have not been able to enjoy them. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> what did you think this fine episode was about? Uh, so there's a couple of stuff. There's a couple of things happening here. The take that I have for this one is capitalism is cruel, and the only way to effectively fight it is to hurt the bottom line. Okay. 
it's just one thread in this story, and the story has a couple of other themes. Sure. Um, the way wrestling and boxing play on race and national identity to create good guys and bad guys. Uh-huh. The justifications people make for themselves when they cheer for people being hurt, etc., uh-huh. which is the take that you have. But the one I thought was closest to being mature because of the way that fight wraps up, you know, the ship fight wraps up is is the one about yeah, you have to hurt they, the bottom line. That's yeah. right. Once they turn off their fucking cameras, that's what really bugs. Not Wayun, whatever his name. Yeah, Pank. Pank. Um, and I'm fine. I'm okay with this take. It's a. It's like a five for me. Look at this thing getting front end points. It's got front end points for sure. All right, but then surely the execution equal or greater Uh, to a five, I guess. Well, okay. First of all, it's very funny to me that this was shot at a moment in The Rock's career when they weren't willing to trust him with more than five lines. I mean, it's it's a baffling fucking decision to have him out there and then be like, read this piece of shit that I wrote. So uh, behind Brandon the, or whoever wrote behind the scenes, he uh, it was like one month after this aired that he did his first Saturday Night Live appearance where he was in a bunch of sketches and did a good job. And then sure. at that point, everyone was like, oh, shit. You mean those skits you can't find anymore where he plays Bigfoot? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. So it's like this but really was before he was a superstar knew, because his whole deal was that he was fucking fire on the mic. Yep, but for but but this is the thing: no one was watching wrestling, yeah. and you know th- that was the cynical reason that they put this episode together. But yes, um, I bet the trailer really hyped him up, and he's barely in it. Even if he does do the rock bottom, and he oh, gives no a variant of the people's eyebrow. Yeah, he he's in it, but he's not Jason Alexander in it. Yeah. Um, and of course you like to hear J.G. Hertzler give some melancholy speeches. He does mm-hmm. tough guy going easy on someone as well as James Sloyan does bitter, in my opinion. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they both master their little, their little that, pieces. Their weird acting. little niche. Yeah. And when you watch this in 2023, it doesn't, away from the situation, it doesn't feel like the shameless UPN got the WWF <laughs> promotion that it felt like in the 90s, right? Like, no. They came over, they got SmackDown or whatever, and it was a big deal, and they did this crossover episode to try to bring wrestling fans to Star Trek, I think. I mean, look, it got 12 points on take. That's way better than you would expect Shameless right. Corporate tie-in to get. And then, you know, that's... Uh, if you don't remember a time before wrestling was A, big, and B, on the same network as Star Trek... it. You wouldn't think, oh, it's a promotion episode. You'd think, oh, this is like one of the earliest pieces of The Rock acting. <laughs> That's right. We found The Rock. Um, Having said all that, it's not a great episode. Sure. Cut the stuff about the doctor trying to get people to go to a museum if you're not going to contrast it with people going to see a blood sport more. Yeah. Like, he yeah, has if it's that just scene the guy with... we already hate saying you should go to uh-huh. a museum. That's nothing. Exactly. Yeah. He has that scene with Neelix. Like, it comes up a little bit, but it's after we've already seen him try to talk seven out of going nebula spotting, which is not lowbrow. So he just seems lonely. Exactly. It doesn't seem like it's making a deliberate, you know, deliberately contrasting the two forms of entertainment. I mean, if it's coming out of his mouth, aren't we supposed to be annoyed by it? Isn't that the whole point? I mean, that's what they've trained us. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, that he um, is an asshole who wants everyone to like his dumb hobbies, but no one should like them. Yeah. Who cares if Neelix got a sunburn? <laughs> For fuck's sake, I don't. Why give the Herojin character the trait that he wants Seven to beat him? Why not have him just want a fair fight? Or want to break the game entirely? Yeah. Why not have Chakotay make the realization that they need to focus on cutting the broadcast earlier when they realize their ship is outclassed, instead of having him try to brute force it anyway? Sure. And then, why have Janeway sail in the Delta Flyer to finish the job? I mean... Why couldn't she have found a couple of Herojin ships to come get their guy, for instance? Yeah. Or the Pendar... She was going to visit the Pendari system. Why couldn't she come back with a couple of Pendari ships and they could oh, rescue they the Rock? could have been other wrestlers. Uh-huh. Could have been could've other been, big guys. Kurt Angle could have been a Pendari. <laughs> exactly. Rikishi could have been on that. He could have given someone the stink face. Oh, man. If Rikishi had given Pank the stink face. Oh, my God. No, that would be a great corporate tie-in. Exactly. Ah, oh, I really um, missed the boat. Mixed fucking bag. Scotty too hottie back there just dancing. <laughs> oh, it would have been so fucking good. Uh-huh. Yeah, it would have. Not Grandmaster Sexay, though. He's above that kind of shilling. Oh, he would never. He's not going to do that on Star Trek. I did it. Big Show was in Star Trek, and there was another guy, too. Oh, he was an Enterprise. Uh, Big Show was definitely in it as a big old Orion. How come um, these guys never got Mick Foley? I know. That question. one seems so obvious to me. Yep. Uh, definitely a mixed bag at best. They would have used The Rock a lot more if this episode had been bumped out to season seven. Yeah. Honestly, I was still kind of expecting worse. There was just nothing surprising or interesting about it. I, I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, here I have soon cut, soon cut, soon cut. Too bad we can't get how did this get made to review just this episode of Voyager. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. Would have been an exciting one. Then I had uh, fucking Wayun again. Are you shitting me? He's played like 15 dudes now. He has played a lot of dudes. And I said, I'm Although, gonna have, I'm gonna it's have to really check. inflated on his memory alpha page when you go to look and it says he played Wayun 5 and Wayun 6 and Wayun 7 and Wayun 8. <laughs> I said, I'm going to have to go back and check to see if he's been in any of the new ones. And it's, oh, yeah, he was on Lower Decks. He played an evil computer. There you go. Uh, and then I said, and Martok, too. This is wild. How are they getting all these people for this episode? And and then I said, when did Gladiator come out? Mm. Well, it's the same year this episode came out. Mm, but this, we would have been early in the year still when this was around. So I was This like, would have been February or March or something. I was like, shocking. It's like they're doing the whole WWF SmackDown thing, but they're also trying to get in on maybe some of that Gladiator hype, too. Um, I love how we get the whole Sunkatsu exposition, like the fourth time that Sunkatsu is shown mm-hmm. on the screen already. <laughs> they really wait a long time. They do some of it with Neelix in the thing, but then they bring Neelix down to the planet so that they can <laughs> do more of it there. More. <laughs> Because we started this one in Media Res, so all of the cast already know the rules. They love it. They know it and love it. How long and have they, they been are, there? Why don't they go home? They, and by the way, they're not principled. When the uh, arena lights up red for the next match, they don't oh. fucking hightail it out of there. No, no, they're no, like, no. yeah, they we'll watch someone die. And cheer. Yeah. Uh, then I put network-mandated corporate tie-ins with the wrestling show. Poor The Rock had to spit out some real trash lines. 
They should have just let him improvise his own smack talk. It's what he was best at. Okay, so you had the exact note that I gave. <laughs> yep. Seven, seven stunt double, LOL. So many shots of her fucking face. Oh, yeah. The stunt double's face was all over it. It was bad. It wasn't quite as bad as the shot of Q's stunt double in True Q, but it was <laughs> sure. bad. I saw her whole face. I was like, yeah. oh, I mean, that's just not Jerry Wright. That's just a different person. Um... I said, I got caught up with it and I said, this episode is horrible and it's also the best corporate tie-in of all time. <laughs> um, why is not Martok all in on Seven? Why? Oh, because he wants to die? Yeah. He could have done that any time, though. That's lame. Yeah, listen, the whole, the whole believability of this episode is based on whether or not you think Seven's Borg augmentations make her a powerful hand-to-hand fighter. <laughs> Which I think we've never do. seen the Borg do. No, I mean, real slowly they'll like reach toward your neck or something. Uh huh. Like a zombie. And she doesn't, by the way, use her fucking tubules on everybody. No, hey, did they? She's not like stab, stab, stab. Did they disable those or something? What's they the must have disabled it. We had, honestly, I don't think they're paying tubule money to the VFX teams anymore. <laughs> is what's happening? Because like, you know, she would have been like, oh, I. I prepared them in my fucking head because I can do that. I prepared them to just knock the guy out or something. Uh huh. I give it a two. Okay. So I enjoyed big fall of it highly. off from premise to execution for you. <laughs> yeah, but it was not a a good episode. What about uh, world building? Yeah, Voyager's this, strength, of course. This Tsunkatsu is popular as hell, but it's like Roman Colosseum shit where they just take slaves and they fight for their lives. And I put the Hirogen or somehow nearby. No. Negative world um, building. Other did, than we the last, mic- did we last see the Hirogen in that two-parter where they fought World War II? Yeah, I don't think they ever hung out again after that. I think once they gave them that holodeck technology so that they could, you know, take it home. They could take the arcade home. What was the fucking name of that? Play it on episode? NES. The killing game or something like that? Killing It's killing time? Killing The Killing Game Part two. That was episode eighty six. That was almost fifty episodes. That's why ago. I said there've been like three or four space jumps since then. They are they yeah. they, they should not be running into any heroic. They definitely should also been be space jumping. Um other than the micro nebula they want to study in the beginning, this whole episode is fucking Tsunkatsu. Like, there's not a lot of world building other than what is happening there. I said, I give it a one for some stuff about aliens, some we know, some we don't, and this whole culture. But I could see a zero. Interesting. Because that Herogen thing pissed me the fuck off. Yeah, it's not great. Here's what I've got. Uh, Chakotay fought in the light heavyweight division and went 23-1. and one. Uh-huh. I wonder if they said that in that other episode. I wonder if the uh, fake... The... Not not the real buffer, but the buffer's brother that they hired. I wonder if he said that in the intro. I don't think he did. Okay. Uh, Voyager is on good enough terms now with the Herogen to arrange a drop-off. Parisi's Squares is played with a mallet and definitely oh, still has a reputation as being a tough guy sport. Okay. I gave it a one, so I guess it's going to stay a one. It's a you. one then, okay. Yeah. <sighs> Character work. Well, Harry Kim did one shoulder roll in his home dimension and won one rigged holodeck arm wrestling contest against a lumpy Irish guy. I do and now he thinks he's tough. 
do love that you always mentioned that that was that was in his home dimension. <laughs> it, well, he ain't he's from not this our one. Harry Kim. He's not our, our Harry, Harry Kim, Kim is dead. Yeah. yeah, he's gone, floating in space. Uh, Tom Paris thinks he's tough too, though he doesn't even have those accolades. No. No, dude. Uh, they both said that they would not have died in that uh, Prigozhin plane crash for sure. <laughs> they did both say that. Uh, Bolana seems real proud of her buddy Chakotay's boxing past, but hasn't she gotten the message yet? He's an anthropologist. <laughs> he tells her this week, and that means it's cool for him to observe any kind of blood sport or whatever. Anything he wants. He goes to the live porno shows on these alien As long planets. as he doesn't use a tricorder, everything's good. That's right. You cannot scan anyone's dong. Especially during insertion. <laughs> it's disrespectful. It is disrespectful. Oh, the tricorder says that wasn't that great. <laughs> the tricorder says you're uh, pushing rope, buddy. It's uh... <laughs> pick it up uh hey the hey bud the tricorder says it looks like you're having uh, trouble there and it recommends quote thumbing it in (laughs) see Uh, disrespectful that would be disrespectful disrespectful for sure neelix believes in a lot of woo-woo fake medicine and that wine schmollis up and he by the way schmollis continues to be friendless on the ship yeah literally no one wants anything to do with that guy well i mean after virtuoso you have to imagine he's less popular (laughs) I mean, and it's true that Seven wasn't there to be his buddy. She did invite him along to go to the Micro Nebula, so I guess yeah. she's the only one still. Oh, I remember she wrote him that fan letter. I do remember that. It didn't make a lot of sense at the time, but, mm. you know, here mm. we are. Yeah. Um, Seven continues to feel bad about all her drone shit, I guess. That's continuity, but I still think someone has to tell her she wasn't responsible for all that stuff at some point. She was yeah, kidnapped man. when she was nine. Ain't she seen fucking uh, Goodwill Hunting? Well, well, so I haven't, so you're going to have to explain. Oh, that. no, just there's a You know I ain't scene. seen any there's movies. A, there's a famous scene where uh, Robin Williams tells Matt Damon that it's not his fault. That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's a four. I'll give okay. it a four. Neelix is using Borg stuff in the kitchen now. Did he talk about that? Anyways. Oh, he did. He does have his the kitchen has been Borg enhanced. They say that? And then I thought, oh, this is why they're going to do some Neelix stuff. And then it switched to his sunburn, and I was like, what's up with that other stuff they were telling me about? What is up with all this Neelix stuff? It don't it don't make no sense. Is it just to remind us that Borg technology is useful, and that's why Seven's going to be so good at fight? Oh, maybe the kitchen's going to be better, because you can punch people better. Uh-huh. All right. Just imagine now if you had my kitchen put in your fists. That's right. Put my fists, put my kitchen in your fist. That's the, that's how you would sell it. Um... He's also got a double sunburn because there were two suns. Yes. Doubly sunburned. Although it's still only on one side of his face, so. No, it wasn't between them. Well, I think one side was still just laying on the ground or whatever, but. Yeah. Uh, Janeway's taking a vacation. Huh? Just to get her out of the fucking episode as far Why as I can tell. Why don't they go home? <laughs> what is the vacation? The vacation from going home? It's literally yeah. a vacation from going home. Yep. These fucking guys. They're not like me on the last day of a road trip thinking, if I just drive straight through, we could be home tonight. That's right. Like, we, we could, could be home, home by midnight. If they had thought that several times, they'd probably be home now. Like, it's going to be a 14-hour day on the road, but we could sleep in our own bed tonight, and then I just do it. That feels worth it. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And then after a while, I put, man, she really is gone this week. There's got to be a story there. And then I put, oh, wait, she comes back to save the day in the end. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was weird. She was just In gone. the Delta Flyer. They're going to whip ass in the Delta Flyer. Balana's a fight fan. Seven and Tuvok are big nerds who want to spend their time wisely. But, like, why doesn't anybody want to go home? <laughs> they just don't. How come Seven and Tuvok aren't like, we should work on how to go home, though? Maybe while they're all vacationing, we can find hey, a way to go home. Let's Hey, let's let's sit down in a room and look at all of the ways we've gone thousands of light years and see <laughs> and if we can we recreate can any of them. One. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we only got to get it. If it works once, we're, we're still 10,000 light years closer. We're getting close. We can make a lot of these jumps. Like, we can do this. But no, they're just going to hey, go if we could just make two... If we, if we could just... Re, if we just reverse engineer two of them fucking Borg transwarp conduit things, we'd I be know. home. Or that catapult that guy built last time. Yeah. Just do yeah. that again. Fuck, man. But no, even the nerds are like, no, let's go look at the nebula. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, I said seven is Kirk this week and will not kill. And then I said, or maybe it's a data in the most toys situation. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Um... TP negs seven by saying, you're just like my dumb bitch of a girlfriend. He says the same shit to Bolana about seven sometimes, too. I think this guy might suck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid that's true. Schmullis hates scientific missions, as we already know. It's just the arts for this AI doctor. Mm-hmm. Don't go look at a nebula. Come to the museum with me. The doctor program. There have got to be times when Janeway wishes she had let him reset his whole fucking database, right? I mean, she tried it a few times. She was always going in there and resetting him. Chakotay's now just being a dick and telling people it's because he's an anthropologist. Uh-huh. I think he means, remember a few weeks ago when I told everyone for the first time that I'm big into anthropology? Those well, are the I've same said it four times since. <laughs> it doesn't make you an anthropologist if you say it four times. He first said that anthropology shit in Dragon's Teeth. When was that? I don't know if it was Dragon's Teeth or if it was the one where they, uh, the moon, the Mars one, the one where the guy did the mission to Mars. Yeah, one small step. Was that the name of that one? Yeah. And he's like, I'm an anthropologist, you know. And I was week, like, what? Week one twenty six. He said that. Like, what are you talking about, man? Okay, so that definitely came up in Blink of an Eye. Uh-huh. Uh, it came up in Memorial last week, and here there it is again in Tsunkatsu. Yeah. So, so three, three times, times in seven episodes, he's reminded everyone that his passion is anthropology. <laughs> now, but no, no. But now, he is an anthropologist. Yes. That's how it works. That's how I became a boat captain. And by the I way... I just said it four times. And maybe I, I fucking misremembered it, but I thought that his thing in that episode was paleontology before <laughs> terrorism right. got in the way. I think you're right. I think it was paleontology. And in the second one, he was retconned to fucking anthropology. It's not good, man. It's not good. Uh, I said it's not exactly a character episode, and I gave it a three. All right. Uh... I, we ended up pretty close on that one. I gave it a 14 and you gave it a 13. Voyager last put up a 27 in Fairhaven. Oh. When it put up a 28. Very surprising. That episode was terrible. Uh, prior to that, though, Survival Instinct got exactly a 27. I don't even remember that is what the, that was. Uh, 
that won the week. So, wonder what it was. Uh, survival, survival instinct. instinct. I don't remember. Uh, and Warhead got a twenty-eight. Oh, you remember no. Warhead? The one about the Warhead? <laughs> the one about the Warhead that they that was an AI not to kill. The AI Warhead? Yeah. The Harry Kim insisted they bring on board, but then it wasn't a Harry Kim episode anymore. No, it was not. <sighs> the last time they scored a lot above a twenty-seven was uh, week ninety-eight, the first week that there was no Enterprise when they scored a thirty-two to win the week in Once Upon a Time. I believe anyway. that. I believe it's been more than 30 weeks since they had a decent score. Um, 27 is more than double what the TNG got this week. Um, oh, and so man. that is what DS9 is going to have to beat. But before we get to that quick deal, hitters. Hitters. Yeah, man, UPN was so proud of SmackDown. Yeah. And then I said he gave her the rock bottom. And the music that plays when he wins is like a license-free version of the rock's real entrance music. <laughs> For sure. UPN couldn't clear his real music for this? Just have him say, th- just have uh, Pank say, this is The Rock, he's an alien with a cool nickname, and he's so fucking charismatic. And then just play The Rock's music. Then have Seven come out first, and everyone gets to hear, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. I would have given so many points. If it was just The Rock, instead if he of was the just- Pandari champion who doesn't get a yes. name. If he was just an alien who goes by The Rock and he had cool entrance music, that would have been the best fucking thing. <laughs> uh, then I said, Seven should insist on keeping this outfit and wearing it. It's ill-fitting and still accentuates the boobas, but you can't see her whole butt crack and she's not in huge, chunky heels. <laughs> she should just say she got used to it and likes it, since they apparently won't give her any real clothes to wear. Yeah, they won't issue her a uniform because she's not officially a member of the crew, though unofficially she definitely outranks everyone but Chakotay. <laughs> she's maybe even Chakotay. I'm not sure. It's close. I think it, it's like 50 50. Uh, I call him Tip Rorn. I never remember the name of the guy who plays <laughs> JG Hertzler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old man Tip Rorn ain't doing any fucking spin kicks and shit. Don't be ludicrous. <laughs> Don't be crass. That decision is crass. <laughs> To have his character doing fucking karate spin kicks. That old fart. <laughs> what about you? Quick hitters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing started and I immediately wrote, who is capable of caring about these aliens once they've seen Sap versus Hoost? <laughs> That's right. We've already perfected it. The universe yeah, can do no better You can stop. That. We don't need yeah. no octagons or nothing I'm sorry. anymore. When Bob Sap finally made contact with Hoost, he flew like Superman across the ring. And he's huge. Everyone go look up this 240p video of Bob we'll Sapp fighting. No, Hoost. for some reason we were better at looking at things back then. You'll see it now and you'll go, I can't I can't make out anything on the screen. <laughs> it, don't don't do full screen. Leave it in its little fucking window. It'll look better. Uh but watch this fight between these two meat mountains that Bob Sapp eventually wins and then know for yourself that Bob Sapp broke his hand punching him and had to retire from the tournament and Hoost went on to fight again. And Hoost gets to fight instead. He just got his bell rung and he wins the tournament. God, yeah. that was that was glorious. And I remember watching that on ESPN2 at like 2 in the morning going, yeah. what the hell? Well, and then I remember trying to watch uh, karate a hundred times after that and never being able to replicate well, it's that like favorite. a k1 fight right yep i tried to watch k1 over and over after that and it just never felt like it did that time no nope, that was because perfect. you'd already seen the match yeah <laughs> uh once again candy could not believe the ship was stuck in the delta quadrant and taking the time to watch blood sport 
Yeah. No, like, what's happening? What is fucking happening? Why are you on vacation? You fucks. Hey, the uh, camera direction in the script just says, loving pan up seven of nine's righteous bod. Uh, where should we start that pan? Oman's pubis? Yeah, let's just start right there. <laughs> just, that's where we're going to fade back in after the fucking credits. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Typical fucking Star Trek. For five years, Chakotay never says a word about boxing, and it's like it's his main character trait. Except he's got that other one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> When Harry Kim tells Tom Paris, oh, you punch like a Ferengi, Katie said, that sounds racist. It is racist. It's absolutely racist. But the Ferengi are the ones that everyone feels good about being racist toward. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, oh, man, I made a joke about the boxing, but not even two minutes later, Chicote reminds us that he's an <laughs> anthropologist. <laughs> That's like Britta saying she's a therapist. Yes. But they don't. But the writers didn't get it. They didn't get the joke they made. No, they didn't. Um, Klingon outfits must really bulk you up because this Hirogen looks a lot skinnier than Martok. He looks pretty weedy. A little, he looks like kind of a weedy little dude. Like, when we meet Martok's wife, she's like, you got fat. And now we see this guy and it's like, that dude does not look as big as Martok. No, I mean, he doesn't look ripped or anything either. No. He just looks littler. He just looks like a dude who shouldn't have to wear spandex. That's right. Which is, by the way, which is everyone. No one should have to wear it. Yeah. Uh, there's a shot in this scene. I'm not even sure if I should tell you this because I worry you'll never be able to unsee it. Uh-oh. But Jerry Ryan's face looks a lot like Ewan McGregor's face. <laughs> Did you see Ewan? What's Ewan McGregor doing in this? Kind of. How'd like they she's get got him? the she's got the chin and. Like, her mouth was open, and it was like one of those Obi-Wan shots from uh, yeah. from the end of the thing. You know, like, like where he's said, shouting, you were a brother to me or something. You've done that yourself? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Anyway, do, just do a, do a little comparison sometime between Jerry Ryan's shouts, face and you and McGregor's You were face. like a brother to me, Anakin, which is why I'm going to let you die slowly. In these just why I'm going to let you burn to death in embers. Lava. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, that's all the rock we get. That's a real bummer. I know. I and I wrote, of course, her next opponent is going to be the Herogen, and of course, she isn't going to suspect that at all. No. She ain't that never seen movies, that. is the problem. Uh, no. Uh, but you said you'd never seen movies, but then you did try or TV. to spoil... I've seen TV. You did try to spoil the uh, Hunger Games for me. So. Oh, I read the Hunger Games. Oh, that was a reading. I saw two before. of the Hunger Games movies also, but I read it. Uh, and then I wrote the Delta Flyer is capable of this. And then I asked, did they ever get that Type 9 shuttle back that uh, Tuvok and Seven were on? <laughs> you know, the one they no. beamed the bomb into? That's gone, right? Add that That's to the gone. list. <laughs> no, but no, they the got list. a full complement of shuttles. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they said it. They said they have a full complement. Well, what does he know? He's a fucking anthropologist. It's crazy. What does he know about shuttles? He says a lot of things. I'm noticing he says a lot of stuff. He does say a lot of shit. Uh, Dino, that Chicote talks a lot of shit. Yeah. The other day, you sure heard him say we had a full complement of shuttles. I, I was in the shuttle bay the other day. It was a Delta Flyer and one shuttle. <laughs> That's not a full complement. Uh, and the, by the way, the shuttle was the Galileo. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty old. From? Fr- it's old. Um, 
I give best actor to the Herogen and worst actor to Harry Kim trying to act tough. Sorry. Oh, man. I did not enjoy any of the stuff where the crew was big into boxing or whatever. Well, like I said, Matt, it's going to take 28 points for Deep Space Nine to win the week. Mm. This week we watched Waltz. Cisco is traveling on the USS Honshu and Gul Dukat's in its brig. Cisco gives a noir style captain's log all about It really is noir style. All about how he wishes Dukat was dead. Or doesn't, maybe. He's all over the place. Anyway, he finally goes to visit Dukat. Uh and he's been fucking head shrinked. Super good. Doctors all trying to heal his busted mind. He's going to some war crimes trial. They fast-tracked that shit. It's actually not the trial. The trial won't happen until the war is over. This is, like, just a hearing. Just a hearing. Okay. Well, they're doing it at Starbase 621. Um, Dukat is very civil, and uh, they talk about Zial for a bit. But suddenly, the ship comes under attack, and shit's exploding everywhere, and Cisco gets knocked out cold credits. Back on DS9, they confirmed the Hanshu was blasted up by the Cardis. They know some shuttles and escape pods got away, so the Defiant and the Constellation are going to form a search party. But the Defiant can only search for a minute, because they got to go escort a troop convoy out in the Badlands. Yeah. So there's a ticking clock already. They haven't even left yet. Yeah, the Constellation can maybe keep searching. We don't know anything about that, but Worf sure does think that if uh, Defiant leaves, Cisco's dead. Yeah. You know, assuming he's alive at all. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, anyway, Dukat's there to greet Cisco when he awakens. They're on some planet in a cave. Uh, Dukat and a guy named McConnell, R.I.P., got Cisco to a shuttle. And I guess it was a crash landing or something, because he says that shuttle's never going to reach orbit again. Uh, he also says he's repaired the uh, little distress signal box that's just sitting there next to him. I don't know why it needs to sit next to them. Uh, anyway. So Cisco can read that it says systems online. Yeah. It's a general distress signal, though, so anybody could answer it. Could be the Dominion, could be anybody. Uh, Cisco's all casted up, but I guess he busted his arm. And um, Dukat says they have rations, but he'd still like to go out and find food and water. But when he walks away, the episode goes pretty sideways, because Dukat starts having arguments with a figment version of Wayun. Wayun wants him to kill Cisco, but he doesn't want to. And Wayun taunts him until he loses his shit and, like, shoots at a rock. I guess Cisco didn't hear any of that. No, he's pretty busted up. Cisco awakens the next morning to Dukat making breakfast. He's, like, playing nurse. He's, like, cleaning up Cisco's vomit and making food and everything. And he's really loving it. And he laughs about how much their fortunes have changed in just the last day or whatever. And, uh... Ducat begins to beg for Cisco's approval, as he always has. Yeah, it's not a new character trait. It's not part of his craziness. He um, he is acting a bit shifty in this scene, but he hasn't completely given away that he's nuts yet to Cisco. He goes outside to have a chat with Hallucination Damar this time, who also wants him to kill Cisco. And while he's outside, Cisco checks on that distress signal and uh, finds out 
It says it's online in the front. <laughs> but in the back. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. You open it up in the back, though, it says very clearly. a smaller clearly, screen, like a DS. Yeah, instead of the 40 font that says it's online <laughs> in There's the front. It's, that says it's, it's 24. It says it's offline <laughs> in the back. And he he leaves it. But just in case Ducat maybe just made a mistake. This is, I guess, a thing that he thinks. And he waits for Ducat to return. And he carefully points out that Ducat needs to check and make sure that system is working. And when Ducat checks and reports that everything's working great, now he knows that Ducat is officially up to some shit. It's very charitable of him to assume that that wasn't always the case. Yep. <clears throat> uh, next time he's gone, Cisco gets the unit up and running, and O'Brien immediately detects it on the Defiant, we think. <sighs> Ducat brings Cisco a nice cushion from the shuttle. And then gets back into a cool discussion about how they're old friends and how Cisco really does like him for sure. But his mirages or whatever are getting more intrusive. Kira is up in his grill telling him he's basically Space Larry Appleton. And he <laughs> lashes scum. out <laughs> He lashes out at her, which has gotta give Cisco a bad feeling in his tum tum. <laughs> Cisco decides to smooth talk him and tell him what he wants to hear. But Ducat can't enjoy it because Kira is in the back overacting as always, laughing like a fucking hyena. Now Ducat isn't even playing it cool. He's just pointing at fake Kira and throwing a tantrum about how mean she is. And then he pulls a phaser and starts blasting away at everything. Back on Defiant, we get a real pointless misdirect. O'Brien beams up two people. We've we've been thinking the whole time they detected the signal from Cisco, but it's just some fucking nobodies, and everyone sighs out loud because who and cares? And very dismissively says two women. Yep. Who cares about these two shitty little shit farts? Ducat figures out Cisco fixed the transmitter, and then he fucking he blows it up. Just as Dax really picked up the signal this time, though. Maybe. Gosh. Fucking maybe. Unless it's another misdirect. Well, here's the thing. They don't like... In the end, Cisco's not saved because they came, went to the source of where Dax found that signal. Gul Dukat fucking is going to call him and tell him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, then Dukat wangs Cisco on the head. Kira calls Worf and says he's got to get out of the search area and protect those troops now, dang it. Uh, But it's like very slightly garbled and Bashir and O'Brien try some bullshit like they try that typical oh I didn't really hear the message too good thing but Worf actually makes the right call this time and doesn't risk an entire troop convoy for maybe finding Cisco. yeah we're told like 30,000 people yeah he kicks Bashir off the bridge which seems like a good move because why does he even need to be there and then uh, starts starts to get ready to leave the area Cisco wakes up again later and Fucking has to fight with Ducat more about why they aren't best friends and why he is a war criminal. Ducat explains himself in detail while his visions hang out and make comments in the back. In an effort to turn Ducat into a babbling mess, he whips up a Nazi fervor in him until he's like in a stupor. Yep. A racism stupor. Uh huh. And then Cisco cracks him over the skull and tries to get to the shuttle. But it's like one of those hell planets that has all... It's got like a breathable atmosphere, but otherwise it's just dust and lightning. And uh, just as Cisco thinks he's closed the door to that shuttle, Ducat jumps in and attacks him. And they fight for a bit, and Ducat has the upper hand, but he still can't bring himself to ice Cisco. Um, 
he starts to leave in the shuttle, but Cisco busts his leg up. Uh, Dukat escapes anyway, promising to annihilate all all Bajorans everywhere or something. Yeah. So depending on whether you think Dukat is stable enough to make good on his threats, Cisco didn't do a good job there. Yeah. Created a real monster. <laughs> anyway, it turns out Dukat even sends a distress signal on Cisco's behalf, so he definitely won't beef it before Dukat can prove he's the best spaceman or whatever's happening. Cisco tells Dax that Dukat is like true evil incarnate, like a devil or a demon or paw wraith or something. <laughs> but he's gonna stop Dukat, and also it's him or me. And everyone at home gets the stakes of the last season and a half of this show, I guess. The end. Yeah. <clears throat> what was this episode about? Yeah, I guess the take really is as simple as there is such a thing as evil, and it Cannot be allowed to coexist. Okay. Like, every time we see Dukat, he's justifying his actions, but then all of that falls away in this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly a take. But who in your life is Gul Dukat? Um, well, luckily, I don't really know a Gul Dukat. Yeah. Thank goodness. How many of us ever actually run into a mustache-twirling villain like this? So, And what does this prepare us for? Yeah, like, well... Is it just, hey, just be suspicious when people are justifying their actions? All right. That's nothing. Okay. But it is a take, and I did give it five. Okay. Yeah. I was one better, and I gave it the evildoers will try to justify their actions any way they can. But don't worry. None of it stands up to even the mildest scrutiny. (laughs) Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, it definitely plays out over and over and over again in the decades after this episode. Um, it's the story of Gul Dukat in a nutshell, this episode. It's like, um, you get all of it. You get, from start to finish, you get the whole run of him complaining about how no one likes him or respects him, and no one appreciates all the cool things he did. Uh, but also, um, also, I did kill millions of people, and I should have killed more, and you get the whole deal. Um, and look, man, it's basically election season, so, like... (laughs) this time featuring criminal trials and everything. So it is still relevant in 2023. Otherwise good versus evil is not much of a concept. So it's not a 10 or anything. Um, execution. What I like about this episode is that we finally get to stop waffling about Gul Dukat. Cause the show starts again. This episode starts again with Dukat seeming civil and helpful and friendly. And you think, Cisco is like pitying him and you're like, are they going to try to turn again on Dukat? Like, what's the deal here? But it ends with him like scattering spit everywhere as he screams his racist visions in an injured Cisco's face. So it's actually kind of perfect as a one episode explanation of six seasons of Gul Dukat. Yeah. It took him all the way to this hell planet with Cisco and everything that's happened in the run of the show and into pure madness for the real unvarnished and stark truth to come out of Dukat's mouth. He's always hated the Bajorans because they are racially or as a species inferior in every way. So now we can finally move forward with Dukat as a, just as a bad guy. He's a bad guy. What I don't like seeing imaginary people. Yeah. Having Cisco 
declare to the audience at home that come March 31st, he'll be the last man standing and the undisputed World Wrestling Federation (laughs) champion. Because this time it's personal. Having to see any of the Defiant crew doing anything. And, of course, the false rescue halfway through. This is the the last we're going to really see of Dukat before he goes on his quest to become a mystical devil creature, which is something I know about the end of the show and can't hold it against this episode. But it's nice to have him back for one more non-magical entry. Because it's been a fun ride with Alemo. It has. Uh, I laughed out loud when Dukat said... Why would you want a small, thin piece of metal? (laughs) (laughs) I was so hack. In the early days, this show posited that everything was a political maneuver designed to get on top and stay there. And whether it was like political office or the church or a space station or creating a fake revolution based on racism or anything else. It was all like deep planning political strategy based on the long view. But then after Ron Moore took over, the story changed (laughs) and it became all about how everything you think of as shrewd political maneuvering or even like political or strategic bumbling all actually comes down to personal motivations, hangups, psychoses, etc. Yeah. This episode was another entry in that series. Um... Everything's always been personal for Dukat, even and especially the fate of millions of Bajorans. He did everything he could to have people say to him, you're a good dude, you're doing a good job. Uh, It backfired and drove him insane, but uh, it is what he always wanted. So anyway, I gave it a five. Uh, Well, I don't disagree. Um, the only good work in the Defiant B-plot is Worf asking Bashir to leave the bridge when mm-hmm. he wants to put Cisco's life ahead of 30,000 troops. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't it need the it. thing that I say all the time where I say, why are they allowed to be in the staff meeting? Yes. Why don't they send her out of that room? Or whatever. But in this case, it's Bashir. It's like, yeah, no, he should, he should be asked to leave. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, we don't need the B-plot at all. And the main distress call bait and switch is cheap. It's very yes. cheap. So pointless and dumb. My main criticism of the A plot is that Cisco makes his call on Guldukat after seeing clear evidence that the man is insane. Yeah. Obviously hallucinating and firing at nothing. He seems to believe that he has uncovered the true Guldukat rather than, yeah. you know, observed some symptoms of a mental illness. Sure. And of course, we believe the same thing that Cisco does, right? That Dukat is evil and that this episode is. It really, it, it, all of his internal defenses have broken, right? Right. But it is not a charitable conclusion to reach. No. That the men, the guy who is clearly in the throes of madness has revealed his true self, right? Yeah. Maybe that's what madness is. I mean, Star Trek always tells you at the end of the episode, but that's what they really thought all along. Maybe they think that about madness, too. Madness is just the things you really think all along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also think... Once you have Ducat step over this line, he shouldn't need Cisco's admiration anymore, and the decision to leave him alive and tell Defiant where he is is not well motivated. Like, that was a part... That need to be loved is a part of his weird defense against what he's doing internally. Yeah. So it should have fallen away with everything else. That said, there's a lot of big acting in this one, and... I think this episode mostly works. And mm-hmm. so it is a five for me. 
yeah, there's some good and some bad in there. Uh, what about uh, the world building? Uh, we have troop convoys with as many as 30,000 troops. Yeah. Uh, they use the Badlands as a screen. Uh, we have Cardassian destroyer wings. The war in general seems much more active this week than it has been since Cisco retook Deep Space Nine. Since it took Deep Space Nine and said it felt very far away? Yeah. Uh, we get some ravings about Guldukat's early days running Bajor and the relative strengths of Bajor and Cardassia at the time of the occupation, but all of that, of course, may or may not be true. So, yes. You know, it's a look at the early part of the occupation that we never saw. But, again, this is not particularly a world-building episode. I gave it a two. Okay. Uh, I got the Nebula class USS Honshu RIP. Yeah, which apparently uh, has a section 5J whatever that means right deck 5j or something i don't know starfleet rations include extra salt um that transmitter makes it very clear whether it is online or not unless you've messed with the deep code (laughs) anyway i found that incredibly useful because how many times have you looked at a device and gone i mean that tiny little blinking light is on but like i don't know if it's doing anything i'd my, love 40 font letters just just say shit is working perfectly to pop up on the screen ai mesh routers have yeah. a color status led uh-huh but green is not good <laughs> it has green green is one of the colors but green isn't good Green's the color bad. that is apparently good that means everything is on is like eggshell it's yep, not bright too. white it's yep. fucking eggshell and so every time I think I'm having an internet issue and I go out to just peek at the fucking router and I see that eggshell light, I'm like, is that yellow? Is that, I mean, there's a connection right. problem or yes. what am I looking at here? Yeah. Or it's like, it's really white, but it's like a bluish white, but then there's uh-huh. also blue and you're but there's like, blue, oh, but that means son something. of a fucking bitch. Blue's different. Is that blue or is that like that super blue white that they've got? Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, that looks yellow, I guess. But which one's yellow again? Yeah. If it was just huge font, everything's working. Don't worry about it. I'd be like, hell yeah, man. So if it just said system online, you'd be like, cool. That's what Dude. I wanted to know, really. Yeah, I don't have to do any troubleshooting. Everything's online. You know, like, that'd be great. Uh, Ducat basically gives his memoirs in this one. And depending on how you feel about his slant on everything, there's some new info in uh, in there about his time in charge on Bajor. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, it's just his slant. Uh, still plenty of ground combat happening in this space war. If these troop convoys are any indication, I gave it a three. All right. Characterization. Well, Dukat's a mess. Yeah. Uh, he's been attended to by psychiatrists and shit for months, but whoops, he's seeing ghosts and stuff. Uh, he exalts in Cisco's injuries and like taking care of him and having him under his thumb but he also wants Cisco to tell him he's a good dude which is what he's always wanted from everyone yep that's Just very everyone he everyone he runs into that's the thing he's always wanted it's the thing he needs from Kira it's the thing he needs from Cisco it's the thing he needed from his daughter before she died I guess it, the only one he didn't want it from was Garrick because of whatever Garrick did to his dad yeah which we'll never get the story on Papa Screen. yeah, yeah Screen Senior I assume family name um and he's finally honest about what it all really came down to cardassian superiority as a species um cisco either hates or pities ducat in the beginning maybe both i like that he carefully waits to determine whether ducat is dumb 
or is purposely fucking the dog on this distress call. <laughs> but it was not great that rather than coming out of this going, well, that guy's lost it. Like, he's probably going to get himself killed within a week. He goes, this is the most dangerous evil in the galaxy, and it is it's my sole responsibility yeah. to end him, no matter the consequences. Literally ends it saying it's him or me, instead of like, that guy's done. There's nothing that guy can get done at all. Uh, Kira seems competent in charge of DS9. Worf is captaining the Defiant again. Uh-oh. And then I said, oh, wait, he's not a complete moron this week. That's cool. But his reasoning in listening to Kira is he doesn't want to go to Grethor. So that could still be better. I mean, look, uh, Worf is always the guy who's like, we can't. Hey, we don't have time to fuck around in the cave and try to get Picard back from the 1800s. And he would know that. (laughs) And you got to do your job. That's right. Right. So the fact that Worf is like, no, we know what Major Kira's orders are, and we know why she gave those orders, by the way. Yeah. It but makes a lot of that. sense. The part where he says it would be dishonorable made me go, oh. Ah, uh, yeah. It's still Worf. He still can't quite be cool. He's still got to be Worf. Uh, Bashir sucks. O'Brien sucks. Dax was okay. A mixed bag. Lots of light shed on Dukat. Also manages to be consistent with what we've known of him. Cisco's kind of bad. Kira, Dax, and Worf make good decisions. O'Brien and Bashir don't. I gave it a five. Yeah, I liked it even one better. I gave it a six. Um, I think it's very good work with Dukat this week, even with hallucinations and all kinds of nonsense. Mm-hmm. He's keeping Cisco alive because he needs him to absolve him. He's hell. He's pretending the shuttle's broken down because he needs Cisco to absolve him. Yeah, he just gets in the shuttle and leaves in the end. Yeah, it just works. He just <laughs> he fabricated let, this he whole have thing. Screamed out of the back door as it was closing. It actually works. It always you. worked, you idiot. <laughs> You're dumb. The thing I don't understand as much is Cisco. He starts out way more disgusted by Gul Dukat than we've ever seen him, and he yeah. doesn't want to have this conversation with Dukat for some reason until it seems like he suddenly really does. But then, like, why did he go to visit him in jail at all? Yeah. And, uh, like I said, I think it's weak that it's this obviously insane version of Dukat that finally convinces Cisco he's irredeemable. Yeah. Uh, better than usual, Worf and Dax, normal O'Brien, dumb Bashir. Yep. Slightly mixed bag this week, but, uh, obviously a strong character performance from, uh, Mark Alamo. He did good work. And again, since I know what happens from here on out, to me, this is kind of like the last Dukat episode. <laughs> this is the fucking farewell. I do my work. best to ignore everything that happens after this. <laughs> fucking Ron Moore. So the scores are in and it gets a 37 and wins a week. And uh, 37 is a, a good That's score decent. in these latter days. Rocks yeah. and Shoals got a 37. Time to Stand got a 38. And Call to Arms got a 39. Well, and look, In the Cards got a 36. So TNG is definitely putting it out there that they are interested in being caught in this yeah. project. They're like letting it be no- sources from within TNG are saying it's okay if we get caught. Yeah. It's like they're throwing <laughs> it for a draft pick at this point, but it's confusing to me how bad they're doing. Yeah. Um, but I do have some quick hitters. Go for it. Did Cisco forget to make this a captain's personal log? <laughs> Because, A, it's very personal, and B, he's not captain of the Nebula class you have to haunt you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he does, he it does just start with a captain's log, because that's how these start. That's how captain's a Star Trek log. starts. 
here are my deepest, darkest feelings. Uh-huh. Um, I would have expected a Nebula-class ship to hold up pretty well to Cardassian destroyers based on what we <laughs> saw in The Wounded. Because we saw a Nebula-class ship destroy everything that came near it. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe they've gotten super surprised. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's some Dominion tech in there or something. The Constellation is still in service. It's not uh, Matt Decker's constellation. That flew right into that bugle. <laughs> That's so, true. But could it be the constellation that the constellation class is named after? It could be a yet another constellation. Yeah, br- it could presumably be a third constellation. But if it's, if it's not, it must logically be older than Hathaway and Stargazer. I mean, that would make sense from naming conventions. Yeah, maybe it got upgraded like all those Mirandas we keep seeing that suddenly have blue glowing I mean, nacelles. I wonder if those Mirandas really got upgraded because they still blow up as soon as you shoot them. Well, they're so little now. They blow up instantly. Why would Dukat's fucked up psyche lead to him hallucinating Wayun of all people? Yeah, like, I know they didn't get along, but like... But he got along with Wayun way better than Damar did. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a weird... They just wanted Jeffrey... It's just... It's like same as this week's uh, Voyager. They just wanted Jeffrey Combs in it. It's not his daughter. It's not his enemy Garrick. Yeah, they couldn't get that actress back. That would have been a good one. Yeah, no, they've got it's like Damar and Kira sort of make sense, but Wayun makes less sense to me. Yeah. Uh, Matt, when Dukat said his first ship was the Corner, I uh, had to immediately go to IMDb to see if maybe Mark Alamo had been in Conair, because that's exactly the kind of shit they would have loved to do. They would. Well, he wasn't in Conair. My first ship was the Conair. Yeah. Um, but weirdly, I discovered that Deep Space Nine was the last TV show he acted on, and I don't <gasps> understand why. Wait, hold on. He has one more credit in a TV show, but it's on Family Guy, and I'm sure he just plays Gul Dukat. He just plays the voice of Gul Dukat in one episode of Family Guy. Star Trek was so bad he quit acting? I mean, I think so, and he is still alive. Like, uh, we should I don't know what's going pod. on, but it's the end of his IMDb page is Deep Space Nine, basically. He did, like, Let's three video games as Gul Dukat after that. Let's get him on the pod and ask what happened and tell him that my screen name is Screen, and he'll go, what does that mean? And I'll go, <laughs> oh, that's right, you don't know any of this stuff. Uh your character, Gal Dukat's first name was Scrain. I'm terrified, Matt. I'm really? terrified to get him on that? this show because I'm sure the first thing he'll say is, "Actually, my last name's pronounced Alamo." And they'll go, <laughs> "Fuck." Probably. And uh, and then I'll have to go. You wouldn't know this, but your your character's first name was Scrain. And he'll go, "Did they?" So that's what they said that in an episode. Huh? And I'm like, "I don't think so." <laughs> and he'll go, "What do you mean then?" And I'll go, "This isn't important. You're wasting my time." And then that'll be the end of the conversation. Um, at one point he mentions the, uh, Shakar administration. And I was like, is Shakar still running Bajor after all of this shit that's gone down? Yeah, man. Fuck like if I know somebody's got to take the blame for this non-aggression pact thing. And I don't think it's going to be Kai Wynn. She's nah. more politically astute than our old buddy Duncan Regeer. Yeah. Whoever got the word from Cisco to definitely do that non-aggression pact is probably had to eat it i would think i would have imagined so i guess everyone must get some engineering training in starfleet huh picard can encode messages in data's brain and cisco can fix a distress beacon with a fork 
Yeah, but why would he want a little thin piece, piece of, metal? of metal? Said it out loud. Uh, again, a very cheap reveal that the distress call that Defiant picks up is someone else. I, I, I. It definitely cost it execution points. I took. I definitely in my mind that was why it didn't get more execution points. Uh, did you think it was weird when Bashir said, "Did anyone see Star Trek Six after Kira's <laughs> message?" Well, it's been uh, so badly redone in a few different episodes already, so if he had just said Star Trek Six, I wouldn't have been that surprised. Uh, everyone went real big this week, huh? Yeah. Cisco does some incredible breathe acting. That's his thing. Uh, That's Kira, how you know he's engaged. Like you said, Kira laughs like a full jackal. Yeah, she's definitely overdoing it, but it still pisses Galdicott off a lot. Um, but no quirk this week. <gasps> he, oh they paid God. the penalty again, I assume. Is that well? Did he pay the penalty for having the magnificent Ferengi be an episode? <laughs> Maybe like, that's what you're it good. Was. You're good for a while now. And I don't know if you caught this one, but this one was directed by Rene Aubergenois. Oh, R.I.P. 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 I get best actor to caught worst actor to Damar. Yeah, poor Damar. He's about to have a big run though. Yeah, pretty soon, you know. He'll get his chance to make it right. We'll see if he can do it. Did you have any? Do you have any quick hitters? I said, Ducat's not in prisoner's clothes because, like, they use that outfit as part of the makeup, right? Like, no yeah. one's thought about how his weird body looks underneath there. Yeah, and then they I have said, to put, except... They'd have to put a jumpsuit just over that outfit, right? That's <laughs> right. You feel like, I think I can see the outfit under that. Then I said, except we have seen a few civilians before that are Cardassians, so like they should be able to do it. So maybe it's just a whoopsie that he's just in his regular Gulls outfit just hanging out there. He's been there for months. Maybe it's because he's a a prisoner of of war. They didn't change him? I don't know. Maybe he's entitled to wear his uniform. It's been ages. All right. Well, maybe. They got replicators, though. It could be a clean one. I guess so. Anyway, thought it was weird. That was the only quick hitter I took because I threw it all into the description. Well, scores are in. Uh, Thank God. Next Generation shit the bed hard with Fistful of Datas for 11 points. Yo, how hard is it to lose to the Voyager by 16 points? It's tough. It's tough to undershoot Voyager by 16 points. Again, that's not the worst ever episode of TNG. Because no, I mean, (laughs) we've done Rascals recently. Because Rascals got 10. Yeah. But it's only one point better than Rascals, so... No, they're on a very bad run, having their worst two episodes back-to-back. Yeah, that is... I mean, that's literally what has happened. Mm-hmm. There are, as of this time, only 12 episodes that have scored worse than Fistful of Datas, so... Yeah, I mean, that tracks. Again, both Rascals and Fistful of Datas, if you told me those are going to be the two worst TNG episodes, I'd go, all right, I can see that. In my head, that makes sense. I think of both those episodes, and I cringe. Uh, otherwise, Voyager and Deep Space Nine both overshot their average this week. Um, Voyager got a 27, which is not great, but their average after that is only 23.3. So so fucking bad. So they, you know, better than average Voyager. And Deep Space Nine put up 37, which is, you know, once upon a time wouldn't have been good, but no, it been 37 is fine. still pretty legitimate. There I mean, are... they're within a point average of TNG now. Yes, they are really closing in. Just for comparison, there are... Don't give me the sum, give me the count. 455 worse episodes in the project so far than uh, Waltz. 
Dang. Out of the 575. All right. Yeah, it was fine. Next time. It was good and bad. There were some good things about Waltz, and then there were some things they... Fucking unforced errors that they uh, always do. Yeah. Next time we get together to talk Star Trek, we will be discussing the quality of life. Exocomps. Exocomps. That feels like it could be pointsy. They don't talk yet. We don't get to meet our friend Peanut Hamper yet. Peanut Hamper's not in this one. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's one of those exocomps. Yeah, I don't know. None of these exocomps are really little goblins. Maybe the one that Data's trying to all them tests on. But Yeah, that one is kind of goblin-y, actually. Keeps pretending it doesn't know how to do it. Uh, For Deep Space Nine, Matthew, you get to describe who mourns for Morn. Perhaps a chance for TNG to get get their win back. (laughs) And you get to describe a Voyager episode called Collective, which I assume is Borgy. That's got to be some Borg nonsense. Again, we've been over this. Tsunkatsi was your big win. In this, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. The next one I have off. to describe is Spirit Folk. You got Spirit Folk, and then I have one called Child's Play. Play. That's live be fast, fun. live fast and prosper. And yeah, then you've got yeah, yeah. Fury. Maybe that'll be decent. Who knows? The Haunting of Deck Twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> I get one called Drive. We didn't already have that one. That's one not a TP one. Critical Care. Oh, good, good. I good, get good, one good. called Body, Body and, soul. and Soul. Flesh and Blood. And flesh and Blood. Good. Lineage, can't wait. Prophecy, Workforce Part 2. You get a couple of Part 2s. I do. I get uh, Q2, Q2 according to this. Oh, it's beautiful. Friendship 1, Homestead, and Oh, you get Endgame. Uh, I do. I if get it's... to describe the last episode. Won't that be a fucking treat? <laughs> it's a time travel episode, so that'll be fun for me. Lots of good stuff in that one. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying, uh, this was your this was the one we were looking forward to for you. The rest of these are gonna be fucking trash. Yeah, we have uh we have just forty five episodes of Voyager. No, thirty five episodes of Voyager left to describe. Oh my god, when you said that it was so scary. Yeah, that was too many. Because we as we discussed earlier, there's only forty one total episodes or forty three total episodes left, so <sighs> Right, Deep Space man. Nine gets its 48th win. They're back to six behind TNG. It feels like... Um, it well, feels like know. six Quality could happen. Life. I don't know, man. Quality of life and then a couple of chain chain of commands. Yep. So, now I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, tapestry might be about something. Yeah, this feels like um, TNG's got to win these ones we're talking about. Is the, how it feels. Uh, the chase could beat Profit and Lace. Just a I thought mean, I'm having there. I am certainly thinking that there will be some world building in the yeah. chase that that boosts some points i don't know if it'll be a take episode though we'll it see. might not be yeah well oh boy everybody go check out landrew and uh, uh prognosticate at home about how this thing's gonna end up maybe throw yeah, some Land- money on it landrew is deeply full of numbers so yeah please go and investigate because i i don't think we're gonna award wins on those ones where it's just tng <laughs> Uh, no, that I mean, feels we, cheesy. we will need to discuss what to do. I think at one point I thought if they scored better than TNG's series average, maybe they'd be a win, but well, we can think about it. We'll see. Or maybe better than the average winning score, which currently is a, ooh, that's a 37.66. Maybe that's a decent bar to set right now. Maybe. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, but not now. Cause I'm, it's, I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. No more, everybody. Yeah. The music of their people will definitely live on. Oh, we forgot to include music. Oh, oh God. 
Oh, he's just gonna be humming that tune. the one song we taught him to play. Please subscribe.